0: moralia python radio with your hosts eric burke and owen mcintyre
1: good evening everybody welcome to another episode of moralia python radio tonight we are joined by our good friend ari flagel uh he just came back from a trip from over in uh Papua new guinea or and nice. um i'm curious to see uh you know or I guess here, what, yeah. uh, here
0: we're, we're the radio show. You don't see anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what he, uh, what was the trip all about and what he saw? Mm-hmm. I know he got really, really sick at some point during the trip. And I think, I think the purpose was to get a pic of, uh, a baby hatching out of an egg, but, worth we'll, it we'll hit worth a, it we, oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. We'll hit, i mean like, i nearly died worth it <laughs> like, yeah so <laughs> i mean i must think like if you travel all that way man like mm-hmm. you go all that way and like you get sick do you like like miss out on the opportunity when you know what i mean like you have to uh, like push through that sick, man
2: <laughs> exactly like you know if let's say we ended up let's say we end up going
1: to australia Let's say we get there
2: and I'm, like, violently ill. All right. In between taking pictures of snakes, I'm puking in a bush. I don't give a damn. You're not leaving (laughs) me behind. (laughs) I'm here. I I don't – you you will have to drag me to the hospital because it's like, Owen, you're dying. Like, that's (laughs) – again, even then, I'm going to fight you the whole way. So, yeah, you know, it's a good Ferrari, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean – you can't take away the guy's dedication to this no. species, man. I mean, <laughs> oh <holy> shit. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was passionate about carpet pythons, but <laughs> this takes it to a whole new level, man. We haven't
2: yet to try it. We haven't yet almost died for our carpet pythons yet. So, you know, no, that's yeah. uh, that, that's awesome. And he got to see, I mean, how many times has he been over there? And this is, is this the first time he's seen a baby, like, hatching? Because if so, that's no. awesome. No, it isn't. I think, All right,
1: cool. I think he's seen it before, but I, I think it's just well, uh, obviously when we get he gets on. Yeah, he, he knows better. But, uh, you know, speaking of taking his trip, did you see that um, uh, video that um, Scott posted up in the chat of the hypo looking coastal that he probably found yes. in his backyard?
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, which, you know, I I love and hate that man. It's like, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Son of a bitch. Like, you know, that's, yeah. It's better than everything I have. So, you know, that's, oh, It happens. Snake
1: was nice. And wow, it's so cool
2: looking. You know, it, It's cool stuff like that and that kind of uh, wildlife interaction is what, what I, I think kind of gets lost a lot with the reptile yeah. community. It's like it's a snake in a box it's a snake in a box because it's a snake in a box and then you never see the wild uh, cousins of your snake in the box and it, it kind of does bring a different thing. Yeah.
1: So speaking of snakes in a box, um, I had, a, I, well, stuff in a box. I, I, yeah, I had my first clutch of 2018, which is, my uh, God. which is pretty awesome since I didn't have any <laughs> clutches last year. And, um, so yeah, real quick before we get Ari on, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it, but, um, so this girl, um, was with the Tiger I J which was the one that uh at the, the very end. The really so big or, one? Yes. Okay. Yes. He's not that big anymore. <laughs> he's oh, <just> an he's <laughs> EBM. Oh,
0: we've,
2: we've, <laughs> oh we we Morelli at him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's just thin uh, and angry.
1: Yeah, so he he slimmed down um but um, I bred him with a GQM pen which I was just thinking about this tonight was produced by my g q m pen that is in the cage next to her oh. that she's about to lay so and and she's so much bigger than her mom it's i don't know I just don't equate to two being the same, but anyway uh she laid the clutch. Um and she had a prelay shed, but that's when the Tiger IJ got the slight RI. It took him, mm-hmm. you know, got him tested. He was the nine Oh negative and she was nine Oh negative and all that stuff. So that's good. Um mm-hmm. and then uh I didn't think that she was grab it. Like I, I, okay. I thought because I pulled him and like, you know, I thought that maybe she reabsorbed or whatever, and she shed but she didn't, she didn't like really feel, uh, typically like, you know, they feel like that feel that I was talking, we were talking about last week. So yeah. just said, uh, <laughs> I'm like, eh, whatever. So right before the show, I'm going in and I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm looking through, I'm looking through, just checking them and see where they're at. Like a lot of my girls are in the prelay shed and, I looked at, and you you can't but notice that beehive. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit, she's still got eggs. So, you know, I kind of, like, pushed the coils out and whatnot. And uh, I think I'm going to go maternal incubation with her. And uh, I see seven eggs uh, right there. Fun. So she, did,
2: she had a nice-sized clutch. I mean, like, I, I count uh, at least seven. So yeah. that's, that's not bad. And uh, is this your first time – breeding uh animals that you yourself have produced
1: yes but here's the thing i didn't actually produce that girl oh fail (laughs) she was produced by luke snell but i did produce a clutch from that same pairing so i do have so kinda but not really yeah this (laughs) is not really
2: but almost yeah
1: yeah so um and uh one other cool thing I, you know, I, I remember that caramel girl that way back that we had to, like, uh, palpate. Well, you had to palpate the egg. Yes. Of, <laughs> that yes. was another kind of almost. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Go on. So yeah. I don't know. She was looking plump. And I was like, she, I was like maybe we should see if she's going to go. So I threw in a tiger with her. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that she just populated. And they, I, they've they been locking up like crazy. So caramel tigers may be... Actually, it's caramel citrus tigers maybe. Uh, oh, you ruined it. No, I was like... This, I'm like,
2: oh, I might be Never mind. <laughs> so it's like...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, be you know, it's...
0: Screaming yellow, man. It,
2: it is. It's going to be great. It's funny because uh, I had this caramel female last year have all the problems with her eggs and uh, the prolapsing in the blood and stuff like that. She has right. been... Like, obviously, I'm not breeding her this year, but she's been just kind of sitting and eating and doing whatever. Today, she's out front center, and she's basking belly up. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So, she hasn't seen a male. And watch this be like, I retain sperm. Here are eggs. It's like, god damn it. So, like, I'm <laughs> hoping she was just kind of sitting funny. But I know that in my, like, lizard brain that I know what's going on here. So, right. <laughs> either she's ovulating or she's doing what she's, she's, she's going through the motions that she always goes through. She wants to know why the hell I haven't put a boy in there yet. So yeah, either way, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I caught a lock this morning. I actually caught a few locks this morning. So I'm still breeding. You're talking about like prelay sheds and all that crap. I'm like, I'm behind here.
1: Yeah, my granite girl bred to an exanic. she had her prelay shed. My head hexanic girl. I don't even know if it's head hexanic anymore, but you know what I mean. Head exanic mm. IJ to head hexanic IJ. They uh she had her prelay. Uh my Diamond Jungle Girl to the Gamma Jag, she had her prelay. Uh looks like I have a... Sh- uh so my caramel jag had granite, my zebra had albino and uh, my M pen female are all in their prelays. Like they just went blue. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be quite a season, man. I could be pretty knee deep in babies. I better get that room opened up real quick. You better get that room open up. You better get that incubator set up. You better get everything
2: fired up. Yeah. Yep. You so. better, you better put down an order of, of live hoppers now. Cause they got to breed like <laughs> a million of them.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs>
2: uh, you've you've gone too far is uh, what happened.
1: Uh so anyway, that's uh what's going on over here and uh Yeah. I don't know. So I don't know what's cool. up with you. Anything else? Uh you wanna hear No, up? I
2: mean we're we're trying to breed this that and the other thing. I caught uh the olive pythons are were curled up in their bin together, which has never happened before uh the bread lie nice. i started uh pull i pulled out of the cold room and put down, which both my males went from like nice rusty red to like black i mean they went dark which mm-hmm. you know we were talking about uh we were talking about uh last time with dick about how like bread lie during breeding and when you're on them, like okay cool uh they're going um The hog noses are trying to breed the females, which is hilarious because it's like this big female and this tiny little guy like chasing her. And I'm like, I love this. I'll watch this
0: all day. (laughs) So um,
2: (laughs) That I liked. Um, And just trying to just trying to get see what we can get. It's still a little early Uh, since the bread lie have now moved out of the cold room. I, I started dropping it even like the colubrid temperatures. So like that thing went down real far, uh, the other day, but of course today was 70 freaking degrees. So, um, yeah. hopefully it, it'll just get cold again so I can actually get some colubrid eggs. Uh, but yeah, other than that, man, just going so and I that, got,
1: I got Hamburg Saturday. So that sort of, um, that like, if it, if it doesn't stay cold, they don't, they don't breed. I've never bred colubrids as you well. They them. have
2: to, <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they have to go through the brumation and uh a lot of times it's like i used to when i was breeding them like crazy my college years was just literally pull their heat away and then just like stick them like in the basement or kick them out of the snake room when i was at my mom's place for like halloween through to april or uh, through to march and then bring them inside again throw them together okay um I'm kind of trying to just do it a different way because then I can try to – I'm trying to basically do it where I can cool everything in the same room,
0: mm-hmm. rack,
2: and, uh, like, the red lie and those guys, but I don't want the bread lie to drop as low as the colubrids. So the problem is now um, all my colubrids are, like, really still hungry, and that's not necessarily a bad thing for, like, the corn snakes and the hog noses. But the king snakes, I need to knock it off because if I put them together and they're still, like, ravenously hungry, that's when problems can happen. So, uh, I'll probably give them another couple weeks down really colder, warm them back up, feed them, and then I'll put the king snakes and everybody together, and I'll be a nervous cat to make sure that nobody eats anybody.
1: Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, one last thing I want to hit on is – I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but, uh, Cara from, uh, blood com, mm-hmm. She posted up, uh, like a, a little video clip of the, uh, new pythons of the world volume three. Uh, just really a little pre, uh, pre look at the book. Holy shit, dude. That is going to be yeah. a friggin' awesome book.
0: That's oh my God. Cool.
1: Think about it. It's, um, what is it indo and uh i forget how uh the uh what do you call it archipelago uh i can't remember now it's freaking slipping my mind figures anyway it's basically all those pythons that you know are the outliers everything from indonesia you know that kind of deal so excellent yes that would be a good book <laughs> yes exactly so all right, uh, I guess let's get uh, Ari on and let's find out about uh,
3: this
2: trip Ms. over trip. there,
1: t-
3: yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Hey, Ari, welcome back to Morality Python Radio. How you been?
3: Good. Hey, how's it going, guys?
1: Doing all right. So
3: brilliant.
1: how was the trip?
3: <laughs> uh it was right to it. It was, it was right,
2: right to it. I want yeah, right to, I want it right yeah. now. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was uh it was it was a, a really it was a fantastic trip actually. Um aside from getting really really sick, everything was uh everything couldn't have gone any better. So um it was really
1: good. Um but like I said, I got
3: really really sick for probably like 3 or 4 days um while we were out there. So it was it was really tough.
1: What happened? Did you eat something bad or
3: Um, I don't know. Uh it was uh probably we we had my uh travel partner uh Tom and I were um uh, heading out and we were we were out to a site and we were hiking out there and you know doing our thing and and I probably I got like really uh, started getting a like, real um feverish feeling and I uh, had everything from like body chills, body aches, high fever, um nausea, uh, like debilitating stomach cramps, uh, no oh, appetite. Man. It was like, Oh my God. Water down. And, uh, we, we had like, we were sharing like these knockoff, like Indonesian ibuprofen. And that's pretty much all we had. Cause he had, um, he, he took a slip and, and hit his hip pretty good, uh, on one of the rocks when we were out there. So he was hurting also from that. So he was taking ibuprofen to kill the pain a little bit. And I was taking ibuprofen so I could actually move. And, um, <laughs> but uh huh. yeah it was it was really rough It was probably the i was talking to um when i got signal i uh messaged uh, keith and frederick uh to let them know what was going on because they had been trying to reach me and find out what was going on i told them i was like man i was like i've been doing this for 10 years coming out here and this is the first time i've actually really gotten scared about uh being in a situation out there where i thought i might not actually wake up one night because it was so sick it was just terrible so i don't know what i got into but uh it was a it was pretty rough so it it was a it was a, it was a rough trip but it um was pretty fantastic uh once i was um out of there and kind of laying laying somewhere besides the floor of the jungle <laughs>
0: Next, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: it's uh, rest and relaxation is not really yeah. what I kind of call with the floor of the jungle. Yeah, so. it
3: took me a while. I've been back for coming on almost three weeks now, so it's it's taken me all this time to kind of get right back into the in the routine and everything. This took this trip took a lot out of me and it like uh, messed me up a little mentally just with what I'm doing out there. It kind of just really set in as far as like, wow, this is really you know scary shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um so it Damn. it uh it hit home. It hit home pretty good this trip but um um I'll be back in uh a few more months to finish what <laughs> I'm doing so uh, the show must Damn. go on.
1: Yes. <laughs> so that's what we were saying yeah. before we came on um like yeah. What what kind of I mean you you got to have you got to have that I, I I don't know what other word to use except passion to drive you to yeah. be on death's door to like it's an addiction still went out every day i mean, like now, I
0: I mean
3: it's, it's full on like you traveled all that way right right now yeah, yeah. It's like you know and uh it's i mean i lost let's see i lost uh i i been losing a lot of weight prior to my trip just because just right. you know trying to get healthier and all that stuff and sure. and i had lost a lot of weight probably like close to 20 pounds before i left and, right. um, I, uh, I dropped about eight and a half pounds in four days when I was out there <laughs> just from being so sick. Cause like, I oh, literally God. couldn't, I didn't want anything to eat. Like it was very strange. And, um, and I was like forcing water. So like I took a photo of when I got out of the jungle, and I sent it to my friend and she's like, Oh my God, you look like a skeleton. So I was <laughs> like, wow, I've never been called a skeleton before. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> was, like, um, right on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's good. So, but, um, yeah, it was a, it was an incredible trip. Um, I got a lot accomplished. I went to a new area that um I hadn't been before in the same uh the Membramo areas where I, I do all my work, so it was in the same general area but this was in a different spot. And um we had been trying for the last four to five years to film uh and photograph eggs hatching and we've seen we've seen eggs like hatched like babies, you know, okay. but uh, in, on one occasion, we saw one one baby in the nest, and that was pretty awesome. But i had been wanting to really, really be there for this, and we had tried timing it, and it was just like we're always like too early, too late. You know, it's like never was never was working out. And we were literally like flying to like the beat of like, oh my god, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. And we got there, and we hiked out to the spot, and it was just like you know instantly when we got there, um, the, there was a nest that I was, that I marked, um, uh, nest 13, I think it is now, um, on GPS, which was good. And, uh, I looked down in the nest and there was like three babies pipping out of these eggs. And I
0: just, about That's shit awesome.
3: that was before I was sick. Uh, okay. Sick, All right. <laughs> literally. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we got down there and there were, the eggs were like in the process of, of pipping like as we were there. So, it was pretty incredible. Um,
1: was and, uh, the mom aggressive ahead. with you guys? Uh, Not anywhere? at all.
3: I've, I, it's so weird. It, it's such a strange thing. Um, I, I've, I've, I've seen probably close to a dozen wild boleans now, um, and I've seen – I can't remember how many nests I've come on where females are on eggs. And I've uh-huh. never encountered an aggressive snake at all, even the snakes that are out outbasting that I've approached to pick up and move to start examining – I've never had a snake try to bite me or be aggressive at all. Everything I've I've only been bitten by Bolens in captivity, and it's Hmm. uh, I tell people that it's such a learned behavior, and I associate it with uh, feeding aggression because they they start familiarizing themselves with that cage opening, its food. But in the wild, um, I've had my hand in a nest with a female on eggs. I've never been bitten, um, and this time I was actually, you know, kind of moving carefully this female around uh, to get photographs and to try to get measurements on the babies when they came out and stuff like that. So uh, she was completely placid. She was in her, like her zone and uh, she didn't really care. She was very aware of me as well as the babies, but um, she, she wasn't uh, defensive or, or uh, aggressive at all, which was really interesting.
1: What about the babies? Were they uh...
3: incredible?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, <beside> her, <laughs> but, um they're,
3: they're just, they're, they have that such that incredible, like little adorable little piggy face where their like snouts are kind of squished in still a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, when I, we came up on the nest, um, we opened up the, you saw the chamber, we opened up the chamber and I saw the eggs right away. And, uh, and then I moved my fingers a little bit around to see where her head was. Cause I didn't want to just all of a sudden like open the nest and her face was right there. And I freak her out. And when I did that, I, I caught a flash of just like, this uh, like yoke I saw, and I was like, "Oh my god, they're hatching like right now!" So I moved everything, and, and the babies are like very. Their skin is so fragile and translucent-looking. It's um, it's it. It looks like tissue paper. That's that's the best way I can describe it. And uh, I'd wow. spoken to Frederick, a little bit about that before, about um how how delicate they are, because he asked me if I'd ever seen that before, and I said no seen babies but i've never seen them like right out of the egg and he's like oh my gosh he's like they're so fragile and i was looking at it and i mean they're it's so i mean you literally if you had like a hangnail on it sounds so gross if you had a hangnail on your hmm. finger and you scratched me i'd be afraid that you'd so thin looking wow. uh, but it's uh it's like almost like this uh faded kind of tomato red uh color and then their belly is just very um very creamish pink color um but uh yeah they so they were very um very aware of us uh when we were photographing and um kind of moving stuff around we We tried to be like as uh careful as we could while we were you know taking photos and stuff like that because I didn't want to st- disrupt them all that but we we sat there and um I took all sorts of uh, data and deployed a couple new data loggers outside of this nest so I could get um temperature and humidity throughout the year on this one area, so I'll pick that up next January. Um, And um, then I got like uh, barometric pressure and humidity and temperature and all those normal things. And then um, Keith sent me out a uh, really nice um, water testing kit and Mm -hmm. pH meter. And um, I did a whole panel on water chemistry um, right outside of the nest where the water was. And then um, I took uh, samples from rainwater also because it was raining, obviously, because it's the highlands. Um, to kind of look at that to see if um, there's anything different in the water that they're drinking out there compared to what we have out here. Um, Because that's one of uh, Keith's um, big things he's been really interested in and talking to me about, So, so which was pretty cool. And uh, I did bacterial samples to see if there was anything like that. And um, the only thing I didn't get to do, which I was disappointed, was I wasn't able to collect any scat uh, because I didn't find any, which was different. I I found – we found rather some shed. Um, in the in the area because I mean obviously they always leave shed and scat when you get into the area where there's a nest or there's a snake um, and they're mm-hmm. always hanging around that so we found shed but didn't find any scat so um, but everything else was pretty right on we set up a couple GoPro cameras out front of the nest and filmed it um, <clears throat> and then uh, covered up the nest and uh, I I had spoken to Frederick Pryor and he was really interested about what was going on at night out there and as well as me It's just so dangerous, uh, just being able to not just, you know, just being able to move around out there because it's just, it's just like not a world. So being able to function properly at night, um, to do anything positive is very difficult. So what we plan to initially do was, uh, set up a, a, like kind of a makeshift tent camp site, um, maybe a hundred feet or so from the nest, if we were able to get that close, And um, observe everything going on at night, see if we could see any animals cruising around, you know, potential prey items and things like that, and and really get, like, some nocturnal observations. But the weather, obviously, just how it is there, um, it got really, really, uh, really cold um, in the probably uh, upper 50s, low 60s, and the rain was coming down a lot, so it was becoming difficult. We had a really nice camp set up, Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't set up for that kind of an environmental uh, exposure so what we did was uh we set all our cameras up on the nest and uh hiked out about 20 or 30 minutes and we found this uh abandoned uh hunter's hut which was was pretty rock on i mean it was if, if i was nor- feeling my normal self i would have been you know thrilled uh to be in there but it was like you know it's like you know wood thatch and all that stuff i mean it's real primitive and uh, we, uh, it's probably about, I would say probably close to like 30 feet deep and it's in two chambers in the back chamber. Uh, it's like a sleeping quarter. And then the, in the center is a fire pit. And then the front is an entryway with a small fire pit also. And, uh, it was pretty old. So, I mean, I, I just like basically dished my boots and just crawled in there. There could have been a mummy in there for all I cared. I just laid <laughs> down, was laying, on the gr- laying on the ground and I was just done.
0: Done. So, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, I was done. So we, uh, uh, Tom hooked up, a, uh, started working on a fire. And we got a fire going with our guides and everything. And I just kind of laid there. And it was just like, at that point, um, every couple hours, I'd doze out and I'd pass out and like kind of come to, and it was like fever break, chills, fever break, chills, uh, oh. you know, cramps, all that stuff. And then at the same time, we're, um, you know, monitoring all those, the nest activity with everything. And we're also trying to monitor stuff that's going on outside. So it was really difficult. We were out there for, I think three days, three or four days. I can't remember. And, uh, get up in the morning and go down and check the nest, you know, see what's going on. They took, the one thing was interesting. They took a law, a really slow time. They were really patient to hatch. And I don't know if that was just because we were there and we disrupted, uh, just, um, you know, our presence being there, but they, uh, they were very, very slow at hatching. they uh, they come out halfway, go back in come out halfway and and they just kind of do that for a while. So um, by the time we ended up leaving, there was about four, four, I think four of them that were, um, which going would call it um, four of them that were, that were fully pipped, but uh, they weren't all the way out. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I think about one of them was all the way out. Yeah. One of them was all out. So three of them were fully, were almost fully pipped and one of them was all out um, in that amount of time. And it, I believe it was a clutch of 17 eggs. So it was a pretty good size clutch. <laughs> Yeah. But um yeah, so it was, it was rough. Um I'd never been that sick before, especially um in such a primitive environment with virtually nothing um to survive uh, <laughs> during that kind of uh, a situation. I'm usually pretty prepared with everything, but uh it was uh, for the one time that I didn't pack all my medical stuff that I usually bring with me like, you know, painkillers and oh, you know, ibuprofen. And all that stuff, the it, it Go figure, it didn't happen. But yeah. Tom didn't get sick. He he was pretty busted up from his hip and his ankle and stuff. Because, I mean, that the rocks are just, the trails are just so brutal, man. It's uh, it's they're just real slick and it's muddy and uh, it's like a swamp essentially, just a highland swamp. And um, going down these little tiny trails that are like cut between vegetation is just really difficult sometimes to navigate through and there's like a big boulder and you just bust your ankle or whatever so it's like fortunately nobody fell and hurt themselves but um, I was shitting my brains out by the end of the, the trip so <laughs> it was just rough so but uh, and it was a funny thing because like I always, have, I always have some weird funny bizarre story I'm like I'm laying there in yeah. the hut and, and, um, I'm like waking up and kind of in and out of it and whatever. And I'm like, you know, somebody's awake, somebody's asleep. And I'm just like, take my jacket off, put my jacket on cause I'm freezing I'm hot and all this and that. I mm-hmm. wake up and I hear this, these, um, smacking noise, like this really bizarre mechanical, like smack, smack, smack. And uh, I wake up and Tom's smoking a cigarette and, he, and he's like, you all right. And I'm like, I'm like, no, but what's going on? And he's like, he's <laughs> like, oh, you're going to love this. And I'm like, what? And it's like, I think it must have been like one or two in the morning. And it had been, it had been periodically raining throughout the night, just because of that's how it is. You know, the, the clouds will come through, it'll rain right early in the morning. You'll usually get a nice shower in the afternoon. Then you'll get a shower right before dark. And then you'll get one or two in the middle of the night. So it, it just comes in periodically through the clouds. And, uh, um, these probably like nine or 10 year old two, these two boys, mm. excuse me, were, um, walking through the jungle in the middle of the night and barefoot like they always do in a pair of shorts and uh like a ratted old hoodie they were wearing and they're just drenched and uh they each had these giant fruit bats in their hands what (laughs) and uh they walked in i kind of like looked up and they're standing in the entryway just kind of looking at me and i'm looking at them and they got these fruit bats and i looked at Tom. like, what the hell is going on you know like I, I'm like, I'm like, really? And, and, uh, I mean, obviously they were out hunting. They cop, they shot these two fruit bats, I think with a slingshot or rock or something. I don't know. And, uh, the smacking noise was them bashing their heads in with sticks out front. Cause they were getting ready to cook them. And it
0: was just so bizarre. Oh, and, I was like,
3: and they came in with these things and they're just all beaten up and bloody. And they're, they're uh, wanting to borrow, borrow our fire to cook these bats on. And, um, <laughs> And then they asked yeah. if we wanted to eat them, and I was like, no, I'm not eating those right now. I mean,
2: I've eaten fruit bat before,
3: and it it actually tastes pretty good, even though okay. it's not recommended to eat bats by any means. But that particular moment, that probably would have done me, and I would have for sure withered up and died in that
0: hut. But, yeah, it
3: was really weird. And then they were gone by the morning. Like, I went looking for them, and they were gone. So. But, um, yeah, so then, uh, I That's think after uh, day three or four, I think it was – uh. We went We went back down to the, because we were monitoring the nest, we went back and collected all the gear and everything and um, covered up the nest and let everybody finish doing their thing and then right. packed up all our gear and all of our, our first camp we had to break down also because we left it down there. We didn't want to leave it, so we had to go back down and hike it back up and all that stuff. And it was just, right. it was a, a brutal one, but um, we did it and um the the environmental data we got and then just the photographic evidence and just like little minute things from seeing everything out there. And just, we can say we're the
0: you know
3: first people ever see babies pipping out in the wild. So that is um, awesome. It's pretty incredible. So, uh, yeah. I got the last photos that I needed for, um, the book stuff that I really, really wanted. Cause I was like, man, I got to get these photos for this book. Otherwise it's not going to be finished. I was like, it's gotta have, it's gotta <laughs> happen. So I mean, yeah. I've been trying four or five years to do this. So, um, finally paid off uh it was pretty freaking incredible so um but it was high die. die you
2: know
0: yeah i mean it was yeah, uh, yeah exactly it was, uh, it
3: was it was really tough it was real um real scary a couple times just being that sick and uh i i started feeling better about uh day five or six like i was you know i still didn't want to eat anything but i was still like mm-hmm. i was holding you know uh, holding myself up easier and i was able to move around without feeling just completely exhausted and stuff like that so but it was good so trip uh trip changed me a lot so <laughs> <It was good. laughs>
2: yeah. But, yeah. that is that's insane and that's uh awesome yeah. but it's like uh so going back you said you didn't find any scat around the nest is that do you think that's yeah. because mom's not
3: eating or are they just
2: keep it
0: um, clean
3: it was um I, I mean I don't I mean being able to observe stuff on the ground is so difficult too it's just like yeah uh, I mean, the ground is just it, it, the environment's so crazy I mean you guys heard me talk about it before and it's just like mm-hmm. um, usually you'll see it um, our my guy our guy friend uh, pointed out the shed real quick when we were walking by and I was like because I knew right away that we were getting close because the environment changed right away to that kind of typical Boland's habitat where I was like okay we're close I can tell you know foliage is different vegetation looks good you know I was like so we're we're getting close. And uh, then we saw the shed, and I'm like, all right, we're 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 probably within 10, 20 minutes from where a nest is or something. And typically we'll see a sh- uh, scat, but, I mean, we could have walked by it. It could have, you know, washed away in the rain. Who knows? But the female, um, she looked thinner than what I've usually seen as far as females on eggs. Like, this took a toll on her for sure. Um, she looked real thin and, and uh, dehydrated, so she had probably been... Out of food for a while or or just or out of water for that matter, didn't want to go anywhere. So, but who knows? I mean, uh, I I don't really know as far as why we didn't see any, but uh, um, it's typically, you know, a tall, typical sign we would come across it that it's like, okay, we're close. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty incredible.
1: Do you think that she didn't leave because of the temperature? You're saying it's pretty cold, right? It
3: was it was perfect. I mean, it was, it's the, it's the normal. I mean, I was really feeling it more or less just because I was starting to get really sick. So, I mean, Uh typically the temps there that we we see stuff is, you know, in the mid sixties, I mean, we see our, you see your breath when you're breathing. I mean, so it's cold. Um, And then mixed with the rain. Um, But it's great. I mean, every time, you know, uh, I've opened up a nest chamber, you feel that, five to ten degree temperature change hit your face, um, wow. like, immediately, the temperature. Um, and the substrate inside is, you know, it's earth, you know, with root and everything in there. It's from these couscous burrows that they take over. And um, it's it's damp, but it's not wet, as opposed to everything else around it. I mean, the whole environment is essentially like a big lichen cover sponge. Uh, the humidity is off the chart. Um, it's just wet, wet, wet. And um, it's always strange to me that you have such a large animal that's so specific and all this environment is so like non, you know, welcoming to something like this, especially to us um, <laughs> yeah, right. walking around it, uh, that you'd find an animal that's, you know, eight to nine feet living in this kind of an environment and it's, you know, has no problem. I mean, they're, I was telling uh, Keith, I was like, man, these things are like in tuned with exactly what they know what to do. It's like, they are, like, designed to a T for this environment, and it's it's fascinating that they're able to maintain this. I mean, you put another python out there, they're going to be dead. Um, yeah. These things are just insane. They're just incredible um, with what they can do.
1: So That's how awesome. how tight was she coiled around the eggs? Is, she, is, is it like she a was, tight
3: coil? Yeah, it was a real tight coil. I mean, the whole chamber itself is probably, like I said, it's, uh, like I've said before, it's pretty close to the size of a basketball
1: uh so she
3: goes in i mean a couscous you know is, they're they're a reasonable size they're probably like small to medium size you know like one possum i guess you could say it's probably the easiest way to kind of understand them mm-hmm. she goes in and then she'll kind of push around that area to make more of, more of a room with that but it's certainly tight uh and she's on those eggs uh pretty tight because like i was moving them around a little bit to see if anybody was underneath them it was out and everything like that. and and they were pretty um compact in there with her. She was she was on them pretty good. I've still never seen them uh, shivering or anything like that um or doing any kind of twitching or anything um when I've come on them or filmed them uh not to say they don't, but I've never seen it before. Uh, it's just just that little chamber is just so perfect. It's just I mean probably uh, I think the temp was uh 78, 75 78 and then whatever she was putting off also those eggs are probably you know, wow. low, to, low to mid-80s, I'd say, close to that. Um, yeah, probably hmm. close to that temperature. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, I was like walking and yeah. I was like, Jesus, this is insane. Like, the <laughs> snake is sitting here looking at me, and she's got three heads poking out on these eggs. I was like, wow. I was like um, – and the eggs are, you know, a nice size. I mean, they're nothing uh, abnormally large by any means, but they're, you know, decent python egg, probably pretty close to a carbon python or, or an amethystine. Um, and they're all, you know, clustered up in that perfect basketball size, you know, or cluster rather.
1: So you said that, um, you took some size measurements on the captive or the babies. I was going to say, how does it compare to like captive hatched or? They're
3: pretty comparable. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the measurements were. They were like, uh, 13 to 16 inches, I'd say. I want to, I, the one I had out was around that size. Um okay. and the weights I have I had the weight written down. I, I spaced out on uh remembering it for you guys. But um as far <laughs> as um captivity, uh they're pretty comparable on, on size, I'd say. Um the real interesting thing was I mean I've I've seen ba I, we saw that one baby uh one time in the nest, uh, and I mean I've seen babies in person that are, you know, you know, neonates and stuff, but I've never seen a baby actually pipping to see that um, scenario happen itself, and then observe what what the females doing um, around them, and how the babies are acting, and everything like that too. So it was very very interesting to see it actually happening, you know, in front of me. Um, right. Yeah, it was just incredible. I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> that no, that is awesome.
2: I mean, yeah. the uh, with, with with the babies coming out. I mean, you said you only had.
3: One that was fully out when you guys were leaving. Yeah, right? one was um, one was fully out and uh, okay. What was it three, three, four? Yeah, there's three pipping, and one uh-huh. was fully out by the end of the day when we left, or the the by the uh, last day when we left. So they they took a long they took slower than I would have thought yeah. to come out. But but I mean they, they had no rush. I mean everything was perfect in there. And then um, I've I've um, spoken to the the locals that, that watch them, and they they tell me that the babies stay in the nest until they shed. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting because Frederick and I have gotten into kind of a conversation about that as far as how, how like um, reclusive they are uh, and how reluctant they are to move around, uh, especially after they shed or uh, until they shed rather, which could kind of give some, um, you know, substantiate some, you know, information towards that being factual that they actually do stay in there. I mean, it's a perfect environment for them to stay in, but I mean, once they're gone, I mean, I was talking to Tom, I was like, man, I was like, where do these things go? And I'm like (laughs) looking around, I'm like the ground's wet. It's 60 degrees. It's raining. I'm like, these things are like red noodles. I'm like, you know, they're going to disappear, but it's like, how are they going to maintain themselves? I'm like, it's so like, uh, it's like, you know, a dangerous environment for these things and just not comforting. Um so it was really interesting to see, you know, um, the behavior and how they were reacting when me when I was moving around stuff, and taking photos, and with the female and all that stuff. It was really interesting. They're really observant, which is cool. So uh, that's a, a normal behavior I've seen with babies before, but uh, it was cool to see that they were exhibiting that when they were coming out. Also, wow!
1: Was, with, was it the typical? The, oh,
3: go ahead, Owen. I mean, like with the one that was out was York Yoka
2: absorption. Did, did it have like a full belly or was it like, you know, uh, it still
1: had
3: some yolk on it. It, it still okay. had yoke still hanging a little bit. Um, okay. And I just kind of, just kind of scooped it up. Just, you know, mm-hmm. put it in my hand and it was just kind of like, Hey, um, but um, it was, it still had a little bit of yoke um, attached and um, which I'm going call it. But um, there wasn't a lot, <clears throat> excuse me. There wasn't a lot. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was perfect, perfect looking baby. Um It was just, It was just incredible. (laughs) And then uh, I was like like, trying to get back to the first at first because I kept wanting to go look through my camera and be like, I can't believe. I'll sit down and look at what I did. And I'm like looking at this and I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, I can't believe we just watched this. And I've got cameras about 30 minutes away sitting on this nest right now waiting for these things to hatch out.
0: (laughs) It's pretty
3: crazy. (laughs) That's, That's awesome, though. Yeah.
2: It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, um, oh, shit, now I forgot my question. Oh, I, it's, um, it's over. Yeah. What's the time frame um, that they typically have their first shed? I don't know that, if I, I ever... That I that. don't
3: really know. Um, okay. That would be a good <laughs> question to so Frederick, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to say, I would probably say within the first couple of weeks, maybe. Um,
0: okay.
3: That would probably make sense to me. I mean, they're still absorbing that, you know, all that embryonic stuff and um, I would say probably within the first couple of weeks that that would probably be their first shed. I would think. Um, and what? And then I they're supposed gonna, to. Then, go ahead.
1: I was going to say this is going to be a weird question, but what go time over. of day was it when they mm-hmm. were hatching?
3: Oh, it was. In, I mean, it was in the. Let's see. It was. It was in the daytime, and it was. Oh, what time was it? Uh, like maybe ten or eleven? I'd say. Yes, yeah, okay. so it was. It was in the daytime. They had a. Uh, uh, then they were when I when I came when we got there first when I started looking there was I think there was two out or two two slits with two noses sticking out first and then one other one and then the other one came out the other one one of them could have been out already in the back but I just didn't see it but um they, yeah they had been pipping um, in the daytime which was kind of odd too so but I mean that whole chamber is all dark and everything and perfect so I mean mm-hmm. I don't really know if they have a kind of like a an awareness to the the time or whatever, what's going on. I think it's just when a, when a good time is present, they're going to go for it.
2: <laughs> do, do we know about how long, like after everybody's out, does mom stick around for a little bit or
3: is she off to the race? I don't know. Um, well, that, that's one of the things I'm going to be trying to figure out this next time. I'm going to be trying to implement this telemetry equipment that I'm working on getting right now. And, uh, looks mm-hmm. like I've got, um, uh, something that's going to be, uh, donating, um, money so I can pick up all that equipment, which will be pretty, pretty awesome. So, um, cause I'd like to see where, I'd like to see where they go, um, uh, once they're done or how far they go when they're not done or,
0: <laughs> um,
3: or if there's any, where the males go, uh, you know, that's my, that's my plan is to tag a male and tag a female. Um, and, uh, See if there's any difference in behavior as far as range goes on on the sexes, or if they stay in the same area, or how active they are in the daytime, or how active they are in general. I think that'll really open up a lot of um, information for us if we can find out um, what they do in the daytime. Or, I mean, we can see what they do in you know in captivity, but obviously it's limited to this size of the enclosure. But it'd be interesting to see what they're doing in the wild if they're you know there's no limits as far as do they really really favor these certain areas because i've found old eggs uh old eggshells on females with new eggs before which would give me the impression that they utilize the same nest um if it's a you know optimal nesting area
0: yeah so right. uh, it
3: should be this would be a really good way to find out um or just to see in general what they're doing um and to be just say badass i mean we're taking telemetry on Boland's pythons in the wild nobody's done it so <laughs> Hmm. Uh it's going to be a lot of work, but uh, it'll be pretty cool because right now I'm, um, I'm working with uh, – talking to a couple companies. And one company right now, uh, they track uh, dragonflies. So I'm going to be using these pinpoint GPS loggers that are going to go on uh, these two snakes, and they'll basically report GPS locations every six hours, and I'll do it for a year. And then I'll come oh, back cool. out right before – yeah, right before the, the GPS data – uh, Batteries die. I'll go out and then I'll track them with a VHF uh, uh, receiver and um, download all the data and see what they've done for the year. So it should be pretty awesome.
0: Wow, that is That's so cool. cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, I could. Uh, I'm really excited to see. I mean, if they just sit there like turds, you know, on a log, then who cares? <laughs> still, we'll still know, you know. But but if they cruise around, but um, I'm really you know. interested to find out. Uh, where these males are and how they find these females. If there's like a couple males that hang out in a certain area. But I think a lot of this shed and the scat that these, these snakes are leaving everywhere are just big markers, these biological markers for other animals to find them because the area is so just vast.
2: I don't know. I'd kind of be a little disappointed if you did all that. And then we found out they didn't move. It's like, Oh, well, (laughs) all right.
0: I'd still be excited to be like, man, I was like, I was like, well, now we know, (laughs) you
1: know, it's like, all right,
3: let's find two more and try it with the other two. Maybe we just got two lazy ones. Oh
1: Uh, God. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome though. Every time I, I, you know, I've, I've never, I've never had Bolins. I've only seen Uh them twice, but Every time that, you know, we talk to you, these thoughts just pop into my head. And <laughs> I'm thinking, like, yeah. do you think that maybe one of the issues with the female, uh, like, uh-huh. not um, ovulating is the fact that maybe the nest box are too big? Like, maybe well, she not feel
3: Yeah, that's, a, that's one of the uh, – that topic came up a while ago, actually, um, about uh, nest boxes being, you know – like it really tight and really confined, which is, um, it's a, it's a really strong possibility. I mean, obviously the ones in the wild are these really tight kind of nesting chambers and everything. So I think it really, it it could certainly be a big factor. I think having, I think having all the elements lined up, including that um, are just, um, you know, the, you know, plan for success. So I think it's just not one thing. It's gotta be multiple things. Um, aligned basically. And, and I love using Keith's um, saying, you know, the rhythm of the room. So everything, the rhythm of the room has to be just right, you know? So um, including, you know, nest box and temperature and basking time and basking access. And, you know, when animals are paired with animals and if it's not too early, if it's not too late feeding schedule and what they're feeding on, I think these are, these snakes are clearly um, uh, much more specialized in, Um, a lot of other species, and I don't want to downgrade other species by any means because they're all fantastic, but I think these are incredibly different than uh, other taxa uh, just because of what they are capable of enduring and um, how difficult it is proven still um, to be able to reproduce them with any kind of consistency on any level in captivity, Um, uh, as well as what we're seeing in the wild, too. I mean, just how specific they are in their requirements and what they what they record what they're looking for i should say you know and, and what they favor
1: yeah i would yeah. i mean i don't i don't think that they're equal to say diamond pythons but when you look at them yeah. because of the climate that they're from they're very yeah specific in their you know yeah needs and captivity you know and like when you figure exactly. it out it's not that hard but it's just figuring yeah. it out you know yeah exactly
3: <laughs> and um and I mean, it's you know, I I, uh, I talked to I talked to Frederick a lot. I talked to Keith a lot. I mean, I mean, we're bouncing ideas like nonstop off off each other every day. I mean, I was talking to Keith and Frederick today, and I was talking to Frederick, and he's like, you know, I still really don't know what I'm doing, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what you're doing? You're doing it,
0: <laughs> and it's
3: like you I just know,
1: want intense, to slam the phone on the desk. He's, yeah, <laughs> I know,
2: he's,
3: but he's, <laughs> he's cued in so well on his animals specifically right. what they do and how they right. behave. And, and that's what he, that's what he's aware of. And I don't know if he understands that, but that's his, that's his, his gift right there with what he's doing is he's aware of the behavior and what they're, what they're reading, what, you know, he's able to read what they're doing. And a lot right. of people don't do, can't do that. Um, and uh, I think that's really helping uh, with what he's doing. So I know Keith and I are constantly trying to figure out how that relates to animals and other collections. And then, um, you know, I'm trying to relate, see how that relates to what I'm seeing in the wild. And it's right. like night and day. And I, and I keep telling, you know, Keith and Frederick, cause it's like, they're, you know, they keep asking like, Oh my gosh, I want to go see this. And it's just like, you know, I came to the realization this last trip. It's like, man, I know I get people ask me all the time. Oh, I'd love to go with you, and I'd love to go with you. And I'm like, Oh yeah, we can do this. And a mic, like, You know what? After this last trip, I'm like, Man, I'm not bringing anybody. I was like, This is really dangerous. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, This is not. I was like, This is not like you know going on a trip and taking photos. So I was like, This is like you could die. Like this is really this this trip yeah. really opened up my eyes on the on some of the stuff I see and you know and I'm doing. it. So it's like it's really dangerous stuff. I'm in really dangerous areas. Uh, I mean, I could you know fall off. With, cliff and i'm toast or you know i die in that hut and i turn into a mummy nobody finds me It's so uh, you know um, right it's a serious place and, and but I, at the same time it's like i told him i was like the other aspect is i don't want to take frederick and and um and uh keith because uh i don't want to throw frederick's good fortune off by seeing all these other things <laughs> and he thinks it's something <laughs> else he's doing and it throws him off the routine and that he doesn't he's not able to breed him again so right, but, right um, yeah that's the other thing um And I told that to Keith also. I said, man, I was like, it's just so, I go, it's so bizarre. It's just such a, it's such a strange place that you would not expect to find an animal like this. And that's what blows my mind and um, how it relates to captive conditions and uh, captive behavior and the successes just still doesn't add up. Uh, There's similarities that that we're being able to address, like humidity, which we're finding out is... A huge factor right now. Keith and I and Frederick have been speaking about about how critical that is um, right now with husbandry, and that's just one factor that I'm like, okay, I can see that on the wild because everything's flipping wet, every humidity's off the chart. But it's like you know, UV exposure and you know sunlight and you know feeding and all this stuff. I mean, I you know these animals, you know, we go onto a basic routine of feeding our animals. For an example, you know, every 10 to 12 days. I think these things maybe eat once a month if they're lucky. Um, mm-hmm. and their activity, sh- you know, is, their activity budget is just like, you know, they're going to shack up somewhere after they eat and that's it. And then they're going to go off. So it's like, you know, there's so many different variables that, um, I'm constantly running in my head and off other people while I'm out there. And then when I come back to and kind of regain my normality of of life. And I'm like, okay, where was I at? Let me think of what I saw and going through photos and video and still can't figure it out.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask that question, like what it must be like inside your head the night after you see, you know, uh, you know, the Bowens in the wild in a hut yeah. in the middle of nowhere where it's, yeah. you know, it's probably like quiet and, you know, just oh, like, I mean, it's incredibly <laughs> peaceful and just I mean, it's, I mean,
3: and at the moment, at that moment, I was just like in agony. And then I was thinking to myself, like, gosh, like, I love this. I'm out here, you know, with the moment where I'm not in pain and I'm not shivering and my teeth are chattering and I'm right. sweating, and, you, know, <laughs> mm. you know, not wearing underwear because it's pointless because I'm just going to shit them. You know, it's right.
0: like,
3: <laughs> you know, it's like, it's in, it's an incredible place. It's It's still a primitive area. It's still... So remote, I'm you know I'm out here looking at this animal that is a holy grail of, of mm-hmm. python still in my opinion, and I'm looking at it out of the wild and I'm looking at its eggs and I'm looking at the eggs hatching and and I'm seeing the environment that it's in and it's beautiful and it's spiritual to an extent and it's surreal and it's just all these incredible emotions and then I'm trying to relate it to talking to all these incredible people that are working with these snakes, you know, that I'm fortunate enough to talk to, um, and try to figure out like, how do we keep these things going still?
0: <laughs> you know, it's
3: uh, right. And then on the other side of it, looking at it, like, okay, how do I protect these things in the wild? You know, because right. what do I need, what do I need to do to keep doing this? You know? So, um, it's a, it's a lot of, uh, emotion and it's a lot of uh my my mind's constantly running and then at the same time i mean tom and i are usually cracking up at something ridiculous and it happened to (laughs) the the Bat boys that came through
0: well yeah that's (laughs) a little ridiculous
3: but yeah (laughs) but it's new guinea that's how it is it's
0: it's it's just why
3: it's new guinea it's you know i i explain that to people like you never know what's gonna happen it's like you know you know it's whether it's you know I'm having to pay off, you know, some axe wielding drunken crazy poplins because they want me to pass through the road. They want five bucks, or, you know, it's some kids <laughs> in the middle of the night shooting bats, wanting to <laughs> eat them in my tent or eat them in my hut. So, uh, it's, um, who knows, you know, it's, uh, but it, it's worth it, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. That's awesome. I wonder – Can't stop, can't I stop now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. I wonder, like, no. because these uh, species is so specialized, um, is tweaking it – like, is, 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 do you think that that may hurt more than it may get you success? It's, uh, uh, I, I, like the constant tweaking of say- – like meaning like, okay, we're trying to breed them and this is going to be my, uh-huh. what I try this year, whether, you know, let's just say I dropped the temps, I give UV, uh-huh. uh, you know, and humidity and then you don't get nothing. Yeah. And then the next season yeah. you say, okay, I'm going to take away the UV and I'm going to, you know what I mean? Do you think that maybe like think, the constant tweaking maybe? Oh yeah, of up? course. Um,
3: because the one thing with with Bolins that I've learned over the over the years working with them is uh, routine is very important. Maintaining mm-hmm. constant routine uh, seems critical, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, obviously, a lot of times when people you know get into the you know the Bolins you know scene and they're wanting to be to produce them and everything, and unfortunately, a lot of them aren't successful. And then all of a sudden, you know, they sell the pair and they go here and they go there and they get changed. And they go to this cage and they go to that cage, you know, everything is different. So there's a shock for the animal itself. And and I feel that it takes a long time for them to acclimate back to a, a stable routine and, um, and, uh, whatchamacallit. So with that being said, I I think the most important thing right now that I've discussed Uh with several people like Frederick and, and, um, and Keith, because I've been speaking to them a lot lately mm-hmm. uh, after this trip, is is being able to make them happy, is just making them happy and comfortable. To be able to try to um, meet all the expected requirements that we know work, and right. not approach them as an animal that we're going to breed, but rather maintain healthy and happy. And whether that be Appropriate humidity, appropriate feeding regimen, appropriate ultraviolet light exposure, enclosure size, substrate, you know, yada, yada. that right. the—that be the issue as opposed to addressing the reproductive side of it because a lot of it is we're probably trying to reproduce animals that are not happy, that are not being mm-hmm. maintained correctly, where mm-hmm. we're losing those certain valuable um, factors that are key factors but they're simple factors that we're overlooking or not addressing because we're at the point of we need to try to breed them as opposed to we need to try to keep them um and that is a huge thing that we've been discussing lately as far as what the appropriate way to maintain these snakes are and um and and realistically if we're maintaining them correctly where they're where they're happy reproduction shouldn't be an issue Right. Um, right,
1: they should want to reproduce,
3: be right? <laughs> exactly, and then, we can, right. and then we can get to the point where Frederick's at, where he's able to look at his animals and say, oh, okay, this is this is the time now. You know, it's time for me to put my animals together. Um, right. As opposed to, I'm going to get these snakes. Okay, here we go. This is the first year I got them. I'm going to drop them to 58 degrees uh, right. for six months, and we're going to breed them. As opposed to acclimating animals for a year or two to your routine to get the, the rhythm of the room, like Keith says, and get everything, everything maintained where it's, you know, a a routine and a stable routine where you're able to meet everything. And then uh, the uh, addressing of the reproductive stage would, would present itself. And if if it's, you know, and and you would think, like you said, they, they should be wanting to reproduce that, that should present itself. And and that can be a huge factor as far as why there's not a lot of success because a lot, you know, unfortunately these snakes change hands a lot as far as, snakes go, I think bullets pythons uh, change hands more than any reptile I've ever (laughs) ever experienced or heard about because you'll get somebody that'll buy a whole group of these snakes, try to breed them for the first year, doesn't get any luck, tries it again, doesn't get any luck, says, ah, to hell with it, and then sells them. And then group animal A goes here, animal B goes here, animal C, yada yada goes here and here. And then, you know, then it's going to take those animals four or five years to acclimate to something that they might consider comfortable. And then they might repeat the same damn process of being switched hand again. Um, right. So um, they need to be in stable collections with comp with, with people that are uh, competent enough to be able to maintain them to the point of maintaining the animals and not be discouraged about not being able to reproduce them because of that. And, and eventually it should happen. Um, I mean, um, uh, that's, that's the, biggest, the biggest thing that we've been discussing right now as far as, you know, with, with husbandry with the bull and I and everything and then, then reproduction because we know realistically what we nature-wise and cycling and, and what to look for, follicle development versus ovulation and feeding regimens and UV exposure and basking time and basking temp and all that stuff. We, all, we know all that because we've been focusing so much on that. Mm-hmm. That we're lacking all the, we're lacking all the basics of the husbandry and we really need to work on the husbandry aspect of, of keeping Bolens because I feel that, uh, this year, uh, Bull and I took a big hit. A lot of, a lot of animals in collections, uh, got sick or, uh, passed away. Um, and, um, for whatever reason, uh, the animals weren't being maintained, um, either, um, correctly, uh, without, you know, uh, you know, not pointing fingers or anything, but just not being um, maintained correctly. Or there was factors we just weren't a, uh, aware of that, you know, we could have been more observant of, uh, as opposed to trying to breed and just maintaining.
0: Right.
1: There right. was my
3: little soapbox right there for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, um, I think Frederick's in a good spot where, yeah. you know, if he's saying that I think he can tweak because he's yeah. figured out how to do it. So maybe if he's not getting, you know, um, maybe if he's getting more slugs than he wanted to, or maybe, you know, yeah. he's trying to get a bigger clutch or whatever the case could be, then, you know, I think he's in a position where he's like, okay, these animals feel comfortable enough to breed. Maybe exactly. I have to do something different so that, that I have better success, you know? Yeah,
3: it's, um in a lot of ways, I, it's like, you know, it's like when you you know, you hear all these, uh, these parents when they're at like the pet store and the kid and the kid wants a sulcata tortoise and and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, "Only realize you're going to have it when you're in college." You know, it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> Bull and, and I are, Bull and I are not an investment. Bull and I are an, an animal to maintain, you know, indefinitely in your collection. You know, right. without mm-hmm. the intent or the idea of of getting rid of, um, and they should maintain." Uh, you should, they should be maintained in, in a collection forever. If you're going to get them, they, there should be no idea of getting rid of them. That's the thing, because that way they can be maintained on a routine and a, in, in, in a rhythm of the room, you know, that way they're, they're mm-hmm. there, they're part of the collection and they're not going to move. Um, and, and I think that is a big, a big thing, um, when owning uh, this particular species that, um, that they're not an investment snake, you're not going to get rich. And I've said this before, you're not going to get rich selling and breeding bones, pythons,
0: <laughs> um but
3: you're you're gonna get a lot out of maintaining them for successful periods of time and learning about what their requirements are and, and, and the best way to maintain them and, and, and that's what we're really coming into now uh with these last couple of years. I mean like we're really coming into some really good information and, and observations um, to, to maintain healthy and successful animals in, in captivity. And, and then we can address the reproductive stage. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to breed him this year too. I mean, obviously, and Keith's working on it and I think Frederick said he was going to try to uh, take possibly take a break this year because he just moved um, and he moved his collection to a, a new place. So he's having issues also trying to maintain his appropriate levels for everything. Like, you know, like we all are. So um, right, right, he's trying to get his routine back. So, um, but um, I mean, it's um, I mean I've been raising my animals since they were uh, hatchlings, so um, I know a lot of people also have too. So I think that's an important thing is to keep that um, that in mind when you when you you, ha- you keep these animals that these are an, these are a, a lifelong animal. They're not an animal that's going to be sent off if you get frustrated or or whatever, because that potentially could screw them in the long run as far as any kind of success um, at a later date.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think the same problem happens with scrubs. I think that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're,
3: they're as sensitive as, uh, they're as sensitive as bolognese. They're a very unique species of snake. Um, they're, uh, more temper, you know, the, the, they're more temperament to certain things. I mean, it's, um, they're, they're not as hardy as other animals. And I think routine plays a huge factor in, in just maintaining certain animals like the scrubs and, and the bolognese too. Um, Uh, as far as you know to do it right
1: yeah you bring up a i I can't remember where i saw it but i was reading somebody's post today and they were talking about you know i don't know if it was bullens i think it was scrubs that they were talking about Uh somebody had just had them um i think they were in a pet shop and basically they put them in the front window and then you know they never had the intention of breeding them they just bred you know (laughs) and you're like i think uh, i saw that i think i
3: I think I heard about that one, I, or I saw, I read it the other day, or something like that. Yeah, they put them out there and they just bred for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, right. something they yeah. liked. I mean, it was just like they they were happy for whatever reason. You know, it was. Uh, I th- I think that's. Uh, I think we kind of take that for granted for a lot of times with our animals. It's like you know you got to make them happy. That's the thing. You got to hit all those requirements that they need. Um, right. And uh, and and the reproductive aspect of it should be the the easiest part. You know of of doing
1: it. I think it was now that I'm thinking of it, I, I think I might've been on the Bowens group and they were talking about windows in your okay. room.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. That was, there's been a lot of talk on there uh, lately, uh, especially the, um, the hybrid uh, Bowens carpet too. That popped up. That was really interesting.
0: <laughs> that was a really oh, interesting Oh, discussion. that came back.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that came back. Uh, Keith brought it up and I thought it was um, addressed really well. I, I, um, I'm always hesitant when, when that topic comes up just because it's a hybrid. And I think some, I I mean, I'm not against it. I mean, I, I, I've seen some incredible hybrids. Like, uh, I mean, there's some insane (laughs) stuff out there and everything. And, um, the whole concept of breeding a bones to a carpet was like, at first I was like, Oh my God, why would you do that? But on the, but I can see why it was, (laughs) I can see why it was done. Uh, not just, um, to prove a point uh, that it can be done, um, right you know but uh it it was definitely interesting um to to say the least um as far as uh that it that it happened and everything and uh maybe you know for whatever reason um you know the female female bull and I are just they're just so they're just very finicky, not finicky, I hate to see that word they're just very unique uh with their requirements um and and it could be the fact of just like i said they're just not happy they don't have what they want um, right and uh the the i mean cuz you would think like the reproductive stuff would be the easy part the keeping them alive would be the hard part and typically, <laughs> it typically sometimes it still is um i mean it's uh it can be it can be very difficult so, I mean i know a lot of captive animals that have been in collections for years and all of a sudden you just come in one day and they're upside down um so uh, there's different things with it so um but yeah i um i, I remember that that post that was up there about the uh, the windows that was interesting <coughs>
1: for sure. But
2: I mean it does kind of make sense with these animals being so dark and where they're from being so cold. It it almost seems like the sun would kind of have to play into like you said
3: making them happy. So, yeah, I mean uh I think you know the sun, the humidity, you know, uh your environment, I mean there's so many different factors um that are are critical I think um and I think we're just starting to kind of see it now um, as far as, um, what works and what doesn't. Um, and I mean, like I said, we have access to these babies that, that come in mm-hmm. and they just really take off well. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, I, I still know babies that, you know, pass away still, you know, because they're just not maintained pro- appropriately. But, um, for the most part, most of them that are, are brought into collections usually flourish. Um, and, uh, it's interesting, uh, to see if we have any, um, um I don't think there's been any, Babies that have been raised up, that have produced. I think these are all old animals that have. Oh, no, maybe I take that back. Yeah, I think I take that back. Not many, anyways. Is, is Frederick getting close to possibly getting?
2: I mean, when, when, what, when was his first clutch? I don't remember, but <laughs> uh, any clutch getting up there. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, his animals. I mean, his animals have got. Uh, I think. Gosh, I don't even want to say. I think they're maybe like in their ten, ten, twelve. Around that age. Uh, I don't, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I've got him written down. I got everything that he's ever told me written down. <laughs> um, <laughs> like in a full, yeah. In a full, And then he laughs at me. Um, uh, when I write it all down cause I asked him it like 10 or 12 more times. Um, hmm. But, uh, yeah, his, I mean his and I know he's brought in uh, a couple new, a uh, couple other animals into his group too, that he's working with also that he's acclimating into, uh, his routine as well. So, um, It should be interesting. I've got, I mean, obviously I, I know he's going to produce more in the future. Uh, If he takes this year off um, to get his guys um, acclimated to his new room and his routine, I'm sure next year he'll produce, um, produce again once everything is back to normal.
0: Right. Yeah.
3: And and I I still think, uh, I still think he has a good shot at it too. So uh, I know Keith's been doing a lot of cool stuff with his animals. So, um, but it's just like with Bolins. I mean, it's just like you know, you know, you never know. That's the thing. It's uh, mm. we're we're still not at a point where it's like you know, okay, this animal's gravid or this animal, you know, took. I saw a lot of, you know, really great reproductive behavior with the with the animals I'm working with this year. But I I don't want to say yes or no because I've been down this road before. So, um,
0: <laughs> right. I've
3: seen things that uh, I've seen things that I've done this year that, or this time that I that I didn't see last time, which were interesting, but. Uh, I mean it doesn't mean anything. So um Right. Until I until I've got a snake that's not eating and uh until I see eggs, I'm not gonna be convinced.
1: <laughs> right. Till so you see that beehive when you, <laughs> you know, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unmistakable. I
3: mean, got, <laughs> yeah, I I mean I got beehive behavior uh early on uh during my um cycling with uh, follicular development which is like that early stage, which a lot of people initially would mistake for ovulation because it's just so apparent when that female is developing follicle. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I got some really, really nice like swelling and stuff like that, which looked really good. And that's, that was my, my sign right there to stick my males in. So, or, so I stuck my guys in there and my, my males are five or six, five or six. Yeah. So they're young males, but, uh, I got a lot of cording and I got a lot of spurring and everything so I figure if uh if that was an interest uh I should hopefully uh I've gotten a lock up or two so I'm hoping so if my guys were interested enough you know we'll see what happens So yeah.
1: here's something I'm curious about yeah. like with the babies you're getting these captive hatch babies in yeah. and you know you're setting them up and you're doing your routine do you run them through a cycle like you would adults, yeah, or do you wait to? Yeah,
3: you know? I, I, um, I do also. Yeah, um, I, I expose them Good. to
0: cool I'm temperatures. Not crazy. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, definitely. Um, um, it, depending, I mean, obviously, I uh, in in moderation too. I'm not going to drop sure. them, like really cool. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely expose it to them. Um, I, um, I do give the babies longer basking time uh, as opposed okay. to the adults. Um, okay. and, and, the reason I do that is just because I don't know what the baby's doing in the wild. And, right. um, so I can't validate cutting their light cycle off, even though I think they probably are underground most of the time. Um, but I'm kind of trying to push them through that real sensitive baby stage. So, sure. uh, I give them more basking access cause I'd rather them be warmer than colder and have a risk for RI and have to treat a little freaking neonate animal. So, but, With but yeah, I definitely, yeah, exactly. I definitely expose them to cooler temperatures during the season uh, and let them experience right. it, and and they seem to be fine as long as they can come out and bask for a few hours and do their routine. They're they're good to go. I mean, they're they're very hardy snakes. Um, they're very easy to maintain if you know how to maintain them. That's the thing.
1: Right. Hmm. Just very specific. Uh, yeah. Very requirements. Specific. If you meet it. I mean, you
3: know, yeah, the very specific requirements and um, incredibly specialized. I mean, it's just the best way to describe it. And it's hard because you can't really give them justice in captivity uh, to see that behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you can only really see it in the wild from when you see it and you're like, you kidding me, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in captivity, you're just like, wow, this animal's – you know, I got, I got my guys – I got my room to like 58, I think it was – I think it was 58 this year. I think that was the coldest I went. Uh-huh. And um, and they were out every morning, you know, basking for a couple hours. And then they're gone in their boxes. Then they're out basking again next morning, eating, defecating, urinating, doing their normal thing. Um, I mean, they're incredible. And then I was I was worried because when I was gone, I, I put I put these wireless cameras on on my uh, my snake room and uh, mm. digital wireless <laughs> uh, uh, temperature gauges so I could monitor everything when I had a signal. So I'm walking out, and I'm, like, worried. I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope it doesn't get too cold while well, I'm gone, and I'm out there. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, are you? I was like, this is freaking cold out here. And my things are fine at home. You know? It's like, <laughs> They're like all right. Cold, we're fine. God, God yeah, I'm damn. Good. I was like, I got at least another 10 degrees before I'm starting to worry. You know? It's like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good.
1: Nice.
2: That's awesome. I'm thinking. I oh. I'm right here.
1: You had that bounce. No, no, no. You I've have that sound you like you're going to ask the question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, whatever, whatever's Ari's on, it's one of those like, we got a trigger ready right to like the science spring. I'm like, I got to, I got to ask questions. What the hell do I ask? And then like Ari's oh, talking. God. I'm like, that's a good one. And then I forget it. <laughs> so it's like, it's gone now.
3: And, but, and, I, I'm, and I apologize too. I'm still kind of like, like I said, this trip mentally messed me up. So uh, it was kind of like <laughs> an eye opener. So I'm, I'm a little off still. Um, but, um, you know it was. Uh,
1: no, you're great, man. We're the. No, you're we're fine. The we're idiots. We're but the no, 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 not at all. I'm an idiot. I'm an
0: idiot too. I'm an idiot oh, too.
1: My
2: question would be, guess Ari, uh, you did a lot of the water uh tests this yeah. go around Did you find anything cool about the water um, necessarily around the nests?
3: Um. So I, 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 um, I, to be honest with you, I haven't really uh gone over all that data yet. But okay. I, when I was doing it out there, I didn't see anything that really caught me off guard. Um, rather, excuse me. Um, I, I did, you know, pH and, uh, I did a bacteria thing, see if there's anything out there and, um, I didn't find anything that was really like stood out right off the bat. Um, but what I'm going to do is, um, probably this weekend, um, because been, I've been playing catch-up with everything still three week, almost three weeks later, playing catch-up. Um, I'm going to probably send all that stuff over to Keith, because he sent it all to me, and I'm going to let him um, have the excitement of going through it and seeing if <laughs> if, he's, if, if I found anything that he likes. Because I know he's like, oh, I'll send this out. And I was like, all right, cool. But I'm keeping the pH pen, Keith. I'm keeping the pH pen.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, <right. laughs> yeah, yeah, But yeah, small so, price uh, to we'll pay. We'll see if um, – yeah that's right so we'll <laughs> see um i mean it's if anything it's you know it's nobody's collected water samples um you know in west Papua from the boland's habitat so it's that's interesting as it is right there and, yeah um it should be cool i mean find out I, I do also fear
2: what keith's going to make you do next you might be like, find out the <laughs> find the nutritional value of a couscous and you're like, you gotta catch one yeah. and like grind it up or something. Like well, it's yeah,
3: exactly. You gotta, well, I was wanting to come up on one and um I mean I hate to do it, but I was wanting to call, come up on one and see if I could get one to regurg for me. Um <laughs> and uh and see what it ate last. I mean, I know it's gonna be a couscous, but still yeah. uh, to be able to say, Okay, it's couscous but at the same time too, I was like, Man, I hate to get that meal out of that thing, you know, it's like they're you know, it's so scarce out there probably as it is, but who knows, but, um, yeah, Frederick was real interested in me, um, observing stuff at night. And I just told him, I was like, man, I was like, it's just, it's just too dangerous.
0: (laughs) Um, and,
3: and I, and I, to be honest with you, I really don't think there's a lot of stuff moving around at night and just to wander around out there is just so dangerous. I mean, you're going to slip and go down a cliff or a (laughs) creek or a, God only knows. I mean, there was spots, like I was stepping where the the ground, like, went up into my, up to my knee, and I was like, oh, my God, how far am I going to keep falling? Like, is it going to eventually stop? Like, it's, you know, it's and there were spots that were just like, you know, it's like, oh, great, there's a rock. Okay, thank God. You know, it's like, you know, but, um yeah, it's just, it's a crazy place. It's a, it's a dangerous place. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's, you know, mysterious, I guess. It's just, it, it's, just you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh you know, it's a... Uh, it's, uh, my favorite place to go
1: <laughs> when I picture <laughs> it, I can just yeah. a picture like Jurassic park. Like that's what I think yeah. of. Like, you know, it's like, pretty close. Yeah. yeah. It's
3: it's it's, it's, it's like another world. A, um, yeah. yeah, it really is. It's, um, it is legitimate, like hardcore, um, exploration. Uh, honestly, Jeez. it really is. It's, uh, it's like you you, you're going into somewhere and you might not make it out and that was this trip like it was that was the real that was the real eye-opener like you know because like like I was saying like I've been traveling for 10 years now 12 or 13 trips later it's like you know I go out there and it's like I I joke with people oh yeah yeah." you know it's like and I I never really look at the severity of it because just that's how I am as a person like I'm always just like you know very positive with what I do and not a lot of things scare me and and this trip was really scary because it was just um, the severity really presented itself um, <clears throat> this time. But um, I learned a lot, like uh, what I can endure as a person individually, and you know, what right. I can go through and like, you know, to still be able to accomplish what I set out to do um, uh, was, you know, obviously wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a question. Uh, I was like, I was there. I was like, all right, I'm already sick. I need to finish this. You know, it was, you know, it's going to either get worse or better. So I got to take advantage of what I, what I could do. And, uh, you know, so now it's, uh, now it's time to go back out and face the fear again and, uh, see what <laughs> other, see what other thing I can get involved. I could get involved <laughs> with, out there now and, uh, um, and, uh, the next step of, you know, tracking these snakes and, uh, see what kind of information that provides or, you know, if it does or, or anything. And, um, uh, and go to the next, and then go go the next step after that, and uh, keep going, seeing what we can do.
1: So, do uh, you have, always go? Oh, go ahead, Owen.
2: I mean, have, have you planned at all what your next trip's going to be, or
3: is it like? Yeah, it's going to be the telemetry stuff. Uh, okay. I was wanting to do it this last trip, but I'm glad I wasn't able to get the equipment to do it because it would have just been too much, mm-hmm. um, just with um, being able to document. Because I was really, I mean. I, I was, we were really hoping we were going to get this nest to, to hatch while we were there. And on top of that, being sick, and then on top of that, throwing the telemetry stuff in there, it just wouldn't have been done correctly. Right. Um, it would have been too much of a rush uh, to do it. So this next trip uh, is going to be going out there to um, uh, tag two individuals and, and do the telemetry stuff out there uh, for this next trip. And then if I, if I come across anything else, after that's done, then that'll just be extra stuff. You know, um, I might start, um, doing the soil, um, you know, analyzing the soil composition or something like that, you know, any, any little thing, uh, that, that I have opportunity to, to, to mess with while I'm out there, I'm going to try to take advantage of. We might even do some kind of plant stuff. I know Tom got some samples of plants, uh, that he's going to try to plant at his house, uh, Indonesia, and see if he can get them to grow, but it
0: was kind of funny. (laughs)
3: but um huh. the uh but yeah so we're going to try to do some maybe try to do some like soil um studies see if there's anything in the soil that's particular interesting in this area or something like that or uh go from there but the telemetry is going to be the that's that's the next project that's uh, going to be uh, uh middle of this year uh to go deploy that stuff off and tag two snakes
1: so that's do awesome. you have Has this been a plan that you've had in place for a long time, or does this just pop into your head as you're looking at your snakes and say, "Oh, you know, I would want to know that." (laughs) Yeah. Yes and
0: no.
3: Um, A lot of times I go out go out with an initial idea, like, "Okay, what can I do next?" You know, it's like, "Okay, I I found I want to see a snake on eggs. Okay, I'm going to go out there and find a snake on eggs. Found it. Okay, what next?" I want to find another one, find out where it's at, how close it is to the other one. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that two or three times. And I'm like, okay, now I want to find out about the water. I want to find out if uh, I can find, you know, how many babies hatch a year, how many, you know, what's the highest point of elevation they go to? What's the lowest point of elevation they go to? How far do they expand? Is there a range they stop going to? Is there a range they prefer? Kind of stuff like that. And then I've always wanted to, I've always thought about tracking them to see, you know, what their spatial relations relationship is as far as like how far they range and, you know, what their mm-hmm. activity in the daytime is. Cause I mean, in captivity, I, I watch them and it's like, you know, they come out and they bass and they go in and they come out and bass and they go in. But it's like, how do you relate that to the wild? So it's like, you know, do they really do that in the wild? Or do They do less, you know, do they come out and take off? They go somewhere. I mean, So, so it's like, yeah, I I have ideas that I want to try to implement. The telemetry thing has always been in the back of my mind. It's like, you know what, I'm going to do this now. I'm at a point now where I can do it out there. I've got a great uh, team that I'm with uh, that we Mm -hmm. work, you know, incredibly well with. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can do, I I can do this now where I've got the, the means to do it. I mean, obviously the only issue is just financial aspect of it. And I think I've got that covered this year with, uh, a donor that wants to help out with that. I'm hoping that comes, comes through. Cause that'd be fantastic. Um, wow. and, uh, um, awesome. yeah. So, um, that's, that's the next phase. And then from that, um, I mean, obviously I'm still trying to push this conservation aspect of it where, <clears throat> you know, get some kind of, uh, monitoring of so many eggs, you know, or so many nests being protected a year and things like that. So, I mean, there's always stuff to study on them. It's just kind of what presents itself, um, uh, each trip and next trip and so on.
0: Has that's it, cool.
1: Was I, you did say that this was a different spot than you normally would go to. in this past Yeah. Trip, I, right? I
0: have
3: an, um Yeah. The membramo I mean, is huge. Uh, and that's where I'm, I'm working. But, um, this area I'd never been to is a, a, a different spot. The last few nests I've been to were uh, on a different area. And this one, for whatever reason, we were at. I don't know if it was just because the eggs were getting closer to hatch or whatever. But um, um, but yeah. So this was a different spot. It was a little bit more lowland too. It wasn't as high up as I'm normally used to going, okay. which was kind of nice. Mm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was um, it it was different. I mean, the environment was a little different than what I'm used to. Also, I mean, it still had the same kind of um, key factors. It just was laid out a little different. Like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the nest. <clears throat> were more terrestrial, like, more couscous-looking to me than they were prior, where some of the other ones were, like, these kind of piece shaped structures where the rain would run off them, I and the more specialized-looking, this was more, like, primitive in a way, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, so it was interesting. It was cool. I mean, uh, still, I mean, it's always exciting – it's incredibly exciting just to see a boland in the wild. And, and mm. now it's like to the point where I can go out and I can I can find them every time now. It's like they're there. So I know where to go. But, you know, seeing eggs is also incredibly exciting. But this was just sure. blew my mind, seeing them yeah. pipping out of the eggs, which is insane.
1: Any physical differences between the localities that you've been to?
3: Yeah, nothing yet. Uh, nothing no. that I've seen uh, really that I've noted. Uh, I mean, the the animals that I see – Typically, I mean, they've got these big, chunky heads and stuff like that, too. I've got um, – I've actually got some people right now I met a few months ago that are on uh, the eastern, eastern eastern portion of the island, in Papua New Guinea, and they're actually out um, right now um, uh, looking for animals uh, for me to – or looking to photograph animals for me over there. Um, so I can either so we can find out if this white and yellow kind of thing is a reality um uh, and getting some uh really nice photographs of heads and side profiles and scalation to see if there's any kind of difference in you know scales or proportions or whatever, and see if there's any kind of you know difference from being an eastern or western portion so that should be exciting also and I'm hoping to hear back from the next couple of because my friends have been out in the field for a couple of weeks now and haven't heard anything back, so hopefully that means they didn't run off with the money I sent them or they're actually out there working. <laughs> no, we'll find out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's always a danger, but you know, yeah, um,
3: but it's it, like, you know, come on. <laughs> what's your,
2: what's your theory on the yellow and black, the yellow and white. I know we've talked about it before, but yeah, has anything kind of
3: changed? I, I don't know. I, I, for whatever reason, I, I, I think there is a reality to it. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's, is pronounced as you know, the, the, the theory is, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's a, uh, you know, there's yellow and yellow and white are distinctive words and um, they're not overlapping. They're not a similarity. um, And the uh, you know, the locals describe them when they describe them as a, you know, a white, a white uh, black snake or a yellow and black snake. So why would there be anything different than a white yellow, a white black snake or a, uh, yellow and white, white, snake, right. whatever. Um, right. so they, that in itself right there is interesting because obviously they know what the difference is. So why would there be anything but two different looking snakes? So, um, that's what I'm curious about as well. So, uh, I mean, it'd be fantastic if, if they, you know, sent me some photos of a, of a white and black snake i mean like this is incredible so you know there would be some interest you know there but i don't know if it could be a particular animal itself you know an individual or whatnot or an area that particularly has them like this and they're not there anymore who knows i know they're incredibly rare over um on that portion of the island but um if it's bones related i'm i'm on it so i've got to find out. <laughs>
0: um,
3: That's, that's the thing. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be over on the Eastern side one of these days, uh, to see them over there also. Um, that, that would be super fantastic to see them on, on the other side of the Island too.
1: So their range is basically east to west, not they don't go any farther north or on the other side of the mountain range?
3: They follow that um uh, they follow that mountain change, the Jaywe Jaya range, and it's basically like a spine that runs right through the center of the of that of, of New Guinea. And it mm-hmm. starts all the way up at the Vogel Cup or the Birdshead Peninsula, which is top west um area. And then it goes all the way down southeast um, to um, the end of Papua New Guinea, or, and, or rather, not, not all the way down there. It stops where that mountain range is, and they basically are inhabiting that entire range. Like that, you know, anywhere from six thousand feet to about eighty five hundred feet seems to be the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, this this last this this female on these eggs this last time she was the highest elevation I found. But the environment it was at wasn't – it seemed uh, flatter than where I've been. But elevation was, I think, 7,000 feet. So she was the highest up that I've found one. Um, but, um, yeah, so they inhabit that whole range um, of, of mountains. Um, but, uh, but so uh, theoretically I guess- they're supposed to be there. So
1: I guess the reason I asked that question is because, you know, you see it with scrub pythons, northern and southern, yeah. and you see it mm-hmm. with condros northern oh, yeah. and southern. I would almost take a bet that there's carpet pythons that are northern and southern. So, you know, yeah. is there any thought? And that especially, there since, be... um, I,
3: you know, I, I really, I really hope so. I think it'd be really cool if there was. Um. And especially since now with all these new, you know, taxonomy changes and everything and every, you know, everybody changing this and that, mm-hmm. you know, finding out, <clears throat> excuse me, this one's different and that one's different. I mean, there, there's just not a large sample of, of bull and eye from the wild to be analyzed really. So uh, I try to take as many photos uh, as of like head scalation, you know, you know, this and that, and, you know, measurements and all this stuff to try to put together something. Cause if there is, it'd be fantastic to be able to find it. Um, yeah. But the Papua New Guinea side uh, being just very difficult and dangerous to access um, on mm-hmm. its own um, makes it hard to document anything over there as well and the fact that it 's just the they seem to be harder to find i don 't know if that 's the truth or if it 's just the fact that um, the sweet spot 's got to be found because they' they're they 're not bones are not rare they're difficult to find the habitat that they're in that's the thing mm-hmm. they're incredibly like i said they're incredibly specialized with what they like so once you find that then you have a better chance to find them but i wouldn't say that they're threatened um or or rare uh, in the habitats that they're in i think it's just they can be difficult to find because of how good they are at doing what that is they do um right and that's the thing. And, and and you've got to have the right people that, that know where to find them. That's the other thing. Um, you can't just have some, you know, guy that's been living there and he's never found them before. And Oh, let's go look right. for them. That's just not going to happen. You've got to look for the, the similarities that they like, you know, the things that they prefer, and then, then you'll find the snakes.
0: Gotcha.
2: So, huh. Ari, would you ever consider, like, I know you're you're kind of going all over the range with these guys. Would you ever consider kind of yep. going to a spot where they maybe aren't necessarily found, but kind of fits to their niche
3: to see if they're actually there? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I I would love to backpack through the entire, you know, the whole island and, and look uh it
0: would it would take
3: four it would take four lifetimes to do we it. wouldn't see you um, yeah. yeah i mean realistically i mean it would take it would take you know like i said four lifetimes and you'd probably still never be able to to make it through everything um, and god only knows what you'd find i mean they're describing new species you know all the time out of papua and all that stuff but yeah i mean to be able to find them where they're not supposed to be um would be interesting or, or um like I said, this is the highest elevation, it's like seven thousand feet. Uh and I've found them before like at six thousand feet. So I know they're over on the Papua New Guinea side. They're there. It's just being able to find that zone that they're at, uh, to be able to, to document it and I'm hoping that uh these guys that uh, I've got out there right now searching, uh, will will find it for me and um be able to uh send me some photographs of these animals to see what they look like and see if they are different at all. And then kind of get some data too, as far as the environment goes and see if there's any similarities with the Eastern portions and the Western portions, as far as what they prefer and what they don't. This and that should be, right. should be pretty interesting. So I'm, I'm always trying to come up with new ideas and things to analyze and uh, compare and all that stuff. So uh,
2: I guess, the
1: walk- Oh, go ahead.
3: Uh, on. One more is, I guess with the, uh,
2: um do you think that there's a difference in diet from the eastern to the western? I mean or is couscous everywhere?
3: Well, couscous is everywhere. Uh All right. but I've heard I've heard report so the, the rumor is the ants, the ones from the eastern portion are larger in size. Okay. Um so that would uh, I would assume that would mean that they have a more abund- either a more abundance of food or they're eating larger prey items, but can't, I can't doc I mean, I can't confirm any of that because I've never
0: seen one.
3: I mean, actually I take the back. I do have a photo of an animal that's pretty far into the eastern area and mm-hmm. it looks a little different as far as its coloration goes. But I, I'm waiting for my guys to really get me a photograph of like up close of the head, you know, side profile, nape of the neck, you know, all that. So I can really look at it, compare it to these headshots that I have of animals that I've seen in West Papua and say, Hey, this animal's got an extra scale on it. This is different. You know, this, the size is different. And that way it can really say definitively that this is a, this could be a different animal or a different species or just different in general. Okay. Um, so yeah.
1: What about awesome. other reptiles? Is there any other reptiles mm-hmm. in that environment?
3: Yeah. Uh, it, in the area I'm at, I've, I've never the, the condros aren't up there. It's too cold. Um, right. There's I've never come across any other snakes. They, there's they, they've told me that there's it's too cold for any of their animals except for the bolins. They said everything else is down lower and lower lowland stuff. Like there's, not, right. there's a death adder, but it's in lower lower elevation, like much lower elevation, because um, it's just so damn cold up there and wet. It's not you know you know really comfortable for most.
1: So, so not um, like any geckos or anything like um,
3: that. there there's skinks. We found some skinks, which I assume the babies, <clears throat> excuse me, are eating. Uh, and there's supposed to be some little frogs too. Um, that are all, I'm sure there's tons of frogs all over the streams and stuff at night too. But uh, there's smaller reptilian life that's there, but nothing larger by any means.
1: Yeah, I was than, just than thinking like frost. maybe if there's another species that you know is also difficult to breed or, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like may, or maybe it yeah, yeah, exactly. comes from the same area that maybe somehow they figured out, maybe those triggers could be similar. What about as far as like, exactly. is there any kind of other animals that maybe migrate at a certain time of year or?
3: Yeah, we, um, that's funny you say that. I were talking about like doing stuff with the, with the fowl and everything. And, uh, one of my ideas a couple of years ago was just, you know, the influx of like any kind of migratory animal, or migratory birds coming through, that would signal, you mm-hmm. know, females to start building follicles or you know whatever. But I haven't been able to find any kind of similarities or any kind of situations where that would be present. Um, I don't think um, uh, any kind of a migratory thing or an influx of food is being a factor for reproduction in the wild. Uh, gotcha. I think they're just happy and they're getting everything that they need. Um, whether it's eating today or eating next week, they're, they're maintaining what they're doing. And I think all the, I think all the factors are all lined up and that's what's, uh, that's what's
0: doing it.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I you know, if there's nothing that's coming in that, you know, like you're saying migratory birds or yeah. anything like that, then you would think that, yeah. you know, they're, it's not really a food cycle that would stimulate the first day. Yeah, because you know?
3: yeah, initially I thought that could be a good factor as far as why we're seeing issues with, you know, captive reproduction, but I haven't been able to kind of get any kind of correlation with anything like that that naturally would happen out there. I mean, <clears throat> as, as far as um, an abundance time of the year or anything, um, and we're also thinking about, you know, the, the diet, the couscous or the prey that the bones are feeding on. What are they feeding on? Is it higher in fiber, or higher in you know, folic acid or, you know, certain, you know, minerals or something like that that they're eating that, you know, prove to be um, uh, beneficial to the animals uh, to help with reproduction or whatever. Mm -hmm. But at this point um, we haven't been able to say yes or no. It's just kind of, uh, we know they're eating this.
1: Hmm. Gotcha.
0: Very cool. There's
3: a lot of stuff. So, I mean,
2: like there's, yeah I I, I there's a lot of stuff. obviously the telemetry stuff, but it's like uh R, do you find you kinda come back with more questions than you went with? So it's very... <laughs> always. I always
3: yeah, that's the exciting thing. Like I go out and I always come back with a million more questions or I think I've come up with a I think I've figured it out and I'm like, no, I you know, I'll just crumble up the paper. It's like uh Wrong. You know, it's, and then uh yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah. I'm always thinking of changing things and I'm always thinking of coming up with new ideas when I go out there and it's like, oh, God, it's like, wow, what was I thinking? I was like, no, there's no way. Or, or, you know, like, yeah, okay, this is possible. And I'm just like, Man, no way it's, it, it. I always come back, you know, scratching my head. And, and I think that itself is one of the huge factors of why I'm, 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 I'm back all the time, not just mm, right. because it's, you know, I'm so passionate about it and you know, it really is addictive. It's, it, you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm having to answer the question and, uh, I haven't been able to answer it yet. I don't know if I ever will. Like, it's funny. Like everyone's asked me, like, what are you out there for? I was like, I don't really know what I'm searching for. It's just like, I'm going, I'm going out there and whatever's presented to me, I I take, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the bit of information I get this time. And, um, what I'm looking for next time. I don't know, but it'll present itself with me. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's every time is different. And, um, and that's the exciting factor uh, and the exciting thing about it that, um, uh, I don't know what, what will be presented, uh, presented to me or, uh, or what I'll experience, uh, or what I'll witness or what I'll come up with just, you know, laying in a hut and thinking of something. Um that this might you know might be something beneficial, or this may be the reason why they're doing this
1: right, so as we run short on time, I want to make sure like yeah. what's the update on the book uh yeah
0: the- oh, I was
3: waiting I was waiting for it, I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah yeah, so i've been uh i' i I've been pushing hard on this thing, and uh it's it's almost done, I mean, I told everybody that, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah whatever, but it's uh <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, I'd say it's probably about 90% finished. Uh, I, I needed to get these last photos that I was really, really praying to get on this last trip um, to wrap up this last section. Cause I needed to have like a start to finish with that. And then um, I was uh, talking to uh, my good friend Russ, who's doing all the editing for me and um, uh, looks like I'm going to, I'm gonna probably have it published by uh, eco uh, that's my plan. Awesome. So <clears throat> I'm going to do it that way. And we were talking and I said, you know, this is, this is the last Bolin's book I'm doing. And this needs to come out and be just a incredible, you know, photographic compilation of New Guinea Bolin's Python adventure. I mean, it needs to have everything in it. So um, I was talking to uh, uh, actually, I, I spoke to Keith and Frederick this, this morning and uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be um, writing up a uh, captive husbandry and reproductive section that I'm going to add to the book. Um, oh, wow. So it will – yeah, so it will be um, an updated to up, – to up-to-date, the up-to-date husbandry protocol um, – what is working what is not and then uh then i'm going to have all of frederick's uh uh, reproductive um notes in all of his regiment for what he's done the last four or five times with his animals in there um so and then on top of that it'll have um uh, i've got a introduction section on new guinea that's uh, being finished up right now by a entomologist that um, spends a lot of time in west papua so he's going to be putting that in there, which will be really cool, and that's almost done, and then I'm going to be putting together a section on just uh, introduction on the species, so that way anybody and anybody can be familiarized with what a Boland's Python is and, and enjoy the book, not just the hardcore, hardcore people like yourselves that are you know wanting to read it for what it is. So essentially, right. this book will be the book on Boland's Pythons. This will cover every aspect of anything that has to do with Boland's Pythons, it will be in this book. Um, nice. And uh, we we kind of made that decision uh, yesterday uh, because I was like, I'm putting this thing out and this is going to be my the last
2: one. I was like, Come I'm not going right. to book. No That's more.
0: No
3: more. So I was like, I, I go, this is going to be the last one. And this is going to be like the most incredible book. And I, sure. I apologize to everybody for how long it's taken. It's taken like four or five years. Been working on this thing, but please, it is. Uh, I'm. It is going to be so good when it's done. It's, you guys will be proud. So it'll be nice. Um, and, <laughs> it's uh, your swan plan. Is that, Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It,
3: it's going to be. It, it's. I mean, the. I want it to be where the photographs are there for anybody that likes nature, anybody that likes tribal people and then anybody that likes snakes and everybody that likes adventure and it's gonna have just <laughs> everything for it won't just be a snake person's book. It'll be a book for people that are interested in New Guinea and it's gonna be just awesome. It's gonna be super cool. Very That's cool. fantastic.
2: And and yes. I'd I'd almost rather you take the time and yeah. spend the five yeah. years and get it done and make it make it as badass as possible rather than yeah putting it out there and then like going like if you had rushed yep. it and had it printed before you went out this last trip, you would have missed all oh, I this. Kill- I ba- oh, I'd
3: be, I'd be mad for be you. Crying.
2: So like, oh yeah. <laughs> it'd be
0: terrible. I, mean, I
3: like, I was just like, you know, and it was funny cause my, my guides that are my friends, <clears throat> when I got done taking photos, I was like sitting there practically crying. I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And they said, <laughs> they, and it was funny cause they said, they said, book finished? And I'm like, the book is finished. Yeah.
2: Shut up. And I'm Again. like, yep, yeah,
3: the book is finished. Even in. they know. <laughs> yeah. And they were all excited. They were so excited because they're like, yeah, because I've been coming out for so long to try to get this done. But then they were sad because they thought I wouldn't be back. I'm like, you're getting crazy. I, like, I'm gonna, <laughs> no, no, no. I go, I'm going to retire here. You'll get tired of me. So uh, well, it's going to have everything. It'll be from you know the whole gamut of everything bones related. It will be in there a captive husbandry reproduction and then 10 years of going out there and, and experiencing all these things and photographing it from you know wild animals and I mean the it'll have it's going to have the most most imagery from any wild bones pythons you've ever seen. I mean the bar none flat out you won't that's be able to find anything better. That's um, awesome. It'll be pretty incredible. Yeah I mean it'll have full pages of females sitting on eggs and pages of females with eggs hatching. I mean, it's going to be insane.
1: That's
0: <laughs> wow.
3: great. So,
1: yeah. I mean, it seems like guys and girls that are into uh, Bowen's pythons really kind of specialize yeah. in that species. Is there, I'm just yeah. curious, is there anything that ever like sort of gets your attention and like, kind of like, because every once in a while, everybody gets the, you know what I mean? That the itch. Oh, yeah, Wow, that would that would be cool <laughs> to keep that. Is what's what's the yeah. species that like you know grabs your attention? Bolins. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean that's
0: it. Come on, man. Give us a break, right? I
1: know. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I know.
0: It's funny because like
3: I run into people like like I was at a show this weekend and somebody came with me and he was like. It's like, oh, you're already, you do the bone stuff. I'm like, uh, depends who's asking. You know, it's like, he goes, <laughs> he, goes he goes, and he's talking to me. He's like, oh, he's like, I really like what you do. doing. I was like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, you know, it's cool. He's it's like, oh, you don't keep up the work. He's like, oh, do you keep anything else? I'm like, no, just bones by them. You know, it's like. <laughs> right. That's all I have. It's, you know, it's enough in itself right there. It's, uh, I mean, there, I mean, I love, uh, there's so many other species of reptile and amphibians that I'm, I'm fascinated with. I think are incredible. Sure. But it's just. Right. Like, but it's just uh, you know, it's like uh bones are, are my thing. That's what that's what I get the most enjoyment out of um seeing. Gotcha. I mean obviously there's a couple of species I don't really like, but um the bones are just like that's it. I mean, uh doesn't get I mean it doesn't get much better than me. I, I ju- my friend asked me a question, I think it was last year, he goes, If you could only keep one species, but you could have as many as you wanted, what would it be? I was like, I Bones like, Yeah. He goes, really you could only do one species? I'm like, I was like, well, if I
0: was going to, it's gonna be Bolens, yeah.
2: So, yeah. I think we stopped asking you those questions when you came on after like the first time because we we didn't (laughs) want you to say bullens every time, you know. It's like,
1: all right, yeah. "Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I I, I love carpet pythons, and like that—that they're it for me, you know, and blah blah blah. But being honest, man, like I see these other species, and I'm like, oh man, that would be cool, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't control that. There's so much. Yeah, I mean it's
3: uh, it's taken a long time for me to be like thin out the collection to the point where it's like I have to. It's just like this is what I'm focusing on. This is it. You know, it's right. like and, and and what it is is bones python's are they're uh it's it's a lifelong commitment. That's, that's mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. They're an animal that you have to maintain. You know, in your collection forever until you know they're done kicking. You know, it's right because like I said, you have to. They have to be in a routine that's incredibly important for them they're they're very sensitive to change and um and that routine needs to be consistent for any success with them but just to maintain them you know make them happy i think is, is very important
0: yeah
1: okay yeah so before we jump off i want to are you still yeah. doing the gofundme page is that still alive yeah i'm always um that?
3: Yeah, I've got my my GoFundMe is up all the time. Um I am I'm, I'm always um welcoming donations uh anything like that. I mean cuz uh, you know a huge portion of me getting out there is based off of people helping me out. I mean, that's how I do it. Um and then the other half is, you know, comes out of my own pocket. So um <clears throat> excuse me, so you know, I my GoFundMe's up. I mean, if you're wanting to donate and you don't want to do the GoFundMe, you know, send me an email, send me a, a instant message, you know, you know, get in touch with me or whatever and if you say, hey, I want to donate a couple hundred bucks or I want to donate this or I want to auction this off of that. You know, that's awesome. I mean, everything, like I've said it a million times, everything helps. Um, you know, sure. whether it's five bucks, ten bucks, everything helps because um, it all goes back in – to uh, me going back out there and and doing this so I can talk to you guys about it and I can
0: share mm-hmm. information
3: and and uh it's killing me not being able to post these photos of these babies hatching but I want to save them for the book.
0: <laughs> <so> much
3: better. <laughs> oh. um, I mean I posted a photo of me with one with the baby in my hand and I was like a kid my friends like why'd you post that you shouldn't do it for the book and I'm like I've got to have something out. I was like, you know, but I was like <laughs> yeah. yeah but um but like I said yeah everything um uh, everything helps, and uh, I wouldn't be able to do this without people helping out. Um, like I said, it's uh, it's uh, either you know people donating money, and or coming out of or or it's coming out from me, you know, paying for it all myself. So I don't get any yeah. grants or anything like that, or uh, okay facility support and so, Yeah.
1: So it's GoFundMe.com/slash Bolin's Python's Research.
3: <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Uh, you can you can find it off of projectblackpython.org,
1: which is uh, my website, and I've got tons
3: of information on there. And I just added up all the updates from this last trip. I try to keep as, the updates up as as current as possible. Um, right. You can contact me from that. You can find me on Facebook. I'm on the. Uh, you can also find it on the uh, the Bones um, Facebook page uh, that I've got. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're looking for me, you can track me down and, uh, and you can, if if to help out or whatever, or just to say hi and talk and stuff like that. I mean, I get messages from people all the time and I'm, I'm super willing to answer questions best I can on Bolin's pythons and stuff and what I'm doing and everything. So.
1: Okay. And I think I did put the links in the show description, so I think check them out. Yeah. And you know, yeah. You want to donate or whatever. And I'm, I'm sure maybe, uh, I'm sure before you go again, who knows, maybe we'll We'll do. I think we're going to do another t-shirt, but (laughs) I I,
2: want to toss a baby up there on the next t-shirt or maybe do one of the black and white
3: bowlings. Like we can figure something out. I'll No worries. Yeah. Yeah. And and thank you guys for helping out with that shirt and stuff again. It was great. It was funny. I got all these people messaging me like, weeks ago hey can we still get shirts i'm like no yeah it happens <laughs> and i'm like i'm sorry guys i was like uh, i was like can't you know but um everybody loves them and i and i think people are starting to like expect them every year almost yeah <laughs> like, I <get> messages, people <laughs> like are things. you doing another bowling shirt and i'm like well man I, I might be why not but, uh, i mean
2: it's gonna be yeah. one of those things where you know it carpet fest t-shirt and at some point during the yeah. year a bowling's python t-shirt yeah whatever yeah exactly. we don't care
0: so, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly.
3: I mean, it's it's good for everybody. So uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so um, uh, yeah, definitely we can do something like that. But you know, it's uh, thanks for having me on again. I mean, I love coming on and talking to you guys. It's it's always fun.
0: Yeah, oh, we man, get to live vicariously you. through you. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. get to get
2: maybe to get not this trip because right I don't know if I want to emulate you like dying on the floor of a hut this time. I mean, everything <laughs> yeah, else rough. is good. Man, you know, it was a little rough. <laughs> a little rough this yeah. trip. So yep. well, we're glad you make it back. Okay. And, uh, me too. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure you're just going to keep going back and forth. Yeah. And, uh, it's not going to yeah. stop me.
0: Uh, <laughs>
3: I'm, I like, I've got at least another 10 years left in me for this, um, of, <laughs> of hiking out there looking for these snakes. So, um, I'm not stopping anytime soon. Um, I'm not going to let getting sick scare me away from it because I got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well you know, again, thanks, cool. man. You're always welcome. No problem. Uh make sure when your book uh you know, when you're ready to release it, oh, yeah. give it a oh, shout yeah, out. You Thank you. Of course. So. So. All right, Ari. Cool. All right, you guys take it right. easy. Thanks again. You too, man. Bye, I'll bye. Talk to you soon. You know, I feel like such a putz. Uh, really? because <laughs> well, this guy goes over to Papua New Guinea. What? What was it? Thirteen times, and we had her sitting have on our asses in Australia. Australia. <laughs> yeah. we suck, man. I
2: I know. I know we yeah. do. But you know, it's things happen. I have to get a new car. You know, I have to get a new car. No, nah,
1: man. I can't. I can't. I stop. I I, know, I got a lot of I shit. I got a too. I know. I know. And, and I said this year. Before I know. All it. <laughs>
2: All my snake might... Well, you are... I mean, how long do Hobbits live? I mean, you guys have a short... Yeah, trip, I right? got a
1: limited time frame, man. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so, anyway, but I was think. I said this year, all the sales from my 18 stock or any snake sales done in 2018 are going into a separate bank account or going straight for Australia. So, I sold two babies last week, so I already have 600 bucks in there. So...
1: Oh, there you go. You're halfway there, man. For the I know, game. and I
2: have I have all of the paperwork in my desk to go get my passport, and I'm going to do that next week.
1: So, nice. all right. So this yeah. is happening. I'm working right. on it.
2: I'm working it. on it. I I cannot give you a solid yes because there's a lot of other shit in the way, but I will know very soon. So, yeah.
1: I'm going to have to pretend that we're going to see like rhino rat snakes or some shit, and you'll be like, that's "I'm there." Not, that's not true. <laughs> That's not true. No, Although I'm just busting <laughs> but we're
2: over there, and you know I'm gonna be like the. I wonder what this is. Oh, fierce snake, and I have to like throw it. Like you know, that's that's my biggest concern is I'm gonna, and be like, I'm What's gonna this? catch it and like, then what the hell? die. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll throw yeah. it, hit Rob in the face. Which, by the Dear way, you're Dory. You're <laughs> <laughs> Dory. I'm sorry to tell you that, Eric. You know, but. By the way, Rob Stone emailed me this week off of one of my Kingsnake ads because he was upset that I heard I wasn't coming to Tinley Park. So it's like, who could have told him that stuff? Uh,
1: but That you weren't coming I, to Tinley?
2: Yeah. I, don't I think, think I mentioned I, it on the air, didn't I? I don't remember. Yeah, I think not. But either way, Rob's like, that's impossible. He threatened to call Jim on me. And I said, Jim's going <laughs> to my brother's. I'm like Jim's <laughs> coming to my brother's wedding. He will yeah, be right kinda, next to me. He's, he's going to help that you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jim's going to be there. And then uh, he that's asked like for uh, he asked for pictures of the right angle of all the vents of the caramel females that I have for sale. And I told him that's impossible. I only shoot from the left. So I, clearly, I didn't make the sale. Did you to know Rob it was Rob?
1: Yeah,
2: it's just
0: right there there on his thing. It has an
2: email from, and it has like an email, and it has like, who else is Robert Stone? I mean, like, come on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I thought maybe he was just like, you know. I think he he was trying to bust
2: my chops, but, you (laughs) know. Yeah, (laughs) I think maybe that is what it started, but yeah, he's going to email me later and be like, that wasn't me. And I'd be like, well, I have no idea who the hell I was talking to then. Man. See yeah. what
1: happens? Like I'm so busy at work I haven't been able to chat with Rob. Now he's just sending you emails now. He's just like he's he's <laughs> He's <laughs> gotta get his fix. <laughs> yeah. He's just trolling the shit out of you, man. <laughs> he wants That's to fun. see that angry Owen come to the search. <laughs> it it
2: made me it it, it made me because 'cause so I'm
1: like I'm like
2: sitting there, I'm like, who the hell is emailing me I'm like and I'm reading this? I'm like, who the oh, Rob so, and it made me laugh. Yeah. Like, you know, that stuff. Uh,
1: that's funny. Oh, he, man.
2: He
0: can't, so.
1: can't get the use, he's got to settle for me. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome talk, man. I think yeah, that I was like probably that. my favorite uh, episode with Ari. Like, you know. I,
2: I always enjoy when Ari comes on because it's like a, gr- a glimpse into – the research and like that's why I'm so quiet. I'm just listening to what the hell he's saying. So it's um, it's like the glimpse into the research side, glimpse into you, you know it, the puzzle that is Boland's pythons. I mean, people have given up their entire collections to pursue these things, and some of them who've dedicated years are, are still can't get them to breed. So Ari doing this stuff like I was serious. I, I was kind of serious, kind of joking one of these times somebody like Keith's going to tell him to, you know, um, capture one of the Boland's prey and grind it up so we can figure out what nutritional value it has. Like, you know, that's eventually they'll get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, like I said, when we were talking, I think, I think diamond pythons, like all the things that he were, what, that like Ari was saying is, you know, like a snake that's very specialized for a specific Mm -hmm. environment, you know, uh, they've just adapted to be in this, in this, in this area. I, I, you know, I just hear that same thing from, from diamond pythons. And it's not necessarily that it's harder. It's just that different, you know, it's different. And, um, I think guys like Keith, obviously Frederick, you know, Ari, you know, those guys have, uh, are on the way to figure it out. You know, they, they've, yeah. they've put themselves in a position where eventually, you know, I can't imagine it's almost like Scott with his um, Moluccans, Like if he gets success with them this year, like.
2: Do we beat him with mean, a stick? I mean. Well, like, I'm
1: just saying I, it's like, it's, it's one thing to get, and I'm not trying to take away from carpet pythons or anything like that, but, you know, it's it's pretty simple to breed them. Like everybody kind of knows it's, it's kind of like, you. not that thing hard. Nick
2: said, you can breed a carpet python by accident. You know, yeah. there are certain species you got to try. And for Scott, now Scott really only does like what, maybe two or three pairs of jungles and the Malukans and the white lips. That's it. And so, he's focused on that. And he's raised those animals for that. And if you were to get them, that's a huge success. But going back to the Bullens, the one thing I would kind of interject with your comparison to Diamond Pythons
0: is uh-huh. Diamonds
2: are yellow and also white as well. So the comparison between the two, in my opinion, is amazing. I I, I always like to think that the closest Morelia kind of thing to a Bullens would be a Diamond.
1: Yeah, I just think it's the environment that they're from. But yeah. I, what I was saying is like those guys – I can't imagine the feeling. I mean, I, I went and saw an IJ on <laughs> eggs tonight, and I'm like yeah. ready to do a cartwheel. You know, my wife's like, what the <laughs> hell's going on down there? I'm, you know, oh my God, I got eggs. You know, and it was, I took one <laughs> season off. I'm like, you took one oh, season yeah. off. You're losing
0: your mind. I don't know For what you're yeah. I'm back well, in the game. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you spiked the bin. Oh, wait, shit. Yeah. You're like, you know, that's. Uh, <laughs> But, damn it but damn it now it's over but um you know uh, and it's funny because i'm talking to chris because chris has that huge scrub collection that he's been working with and he mm-hmm. uh, he and i had a conversation today he has literally not produced the snake since 2008 and he like, and now, I to, like and now he's got Scrubs locking, he's got pears getting ready to roll. And he's like, I don't mm-hmm. he's like, I'm second guessing everything. I'm like, just calm down, <laughs> just chill out. Shit right. will happen when it happens. But it's like it, it's such a weird thing. And to have a collection like some like the scrubs that would just kind of be you know, you gotta try a little bit more, you gotta pay attention, extra special. To have success with that stuff is insane. So, you know, obviously if those guys get that it's awesome so
1: yeah i i mean it must be a, a feeling beyond feelings of like working that long oh yeah and not like, I th- getting get kicked in the neck and you know like, every year like i told
2: you if i were to get the white lips to breathe you're going to hear me like scream from here like you know you're just going to be sitting at your office typing away going what the hell is that noise so like you know that's owen like yeah that's how excited you get with that kind of stuff! Oh so, yeah, yeah. I, I think everybody I, should have a project of an animals that aren't easy, just so every year you can try, so that that one year where it goes right and you get the eggs, you can freak the hell out.
1: So, yeah, yeah. I, I got a couple of them, and you know, I'm just like, you know, it is. It's exciting because every time you, uh, you know, even just keeping them is mm-hmm. exciting. You know, because mm-hmm. you have just learning. A, a different way and you know i'm sure that you know those guys i know scott really worked hard and trying to come up and research this whole past year leading them up to where he's at and you know just you can only hope that you know he, he he gets eggs same with keith you know with with the Bowens and
0: holy yeah. shit that
1: would be awesome you know to yeah, have it here yeah. in the states and i don't know I just
2: <laughs> yeah. And is, as we know these guys, and as we find out just how passionate they are about the species, you almost root for them every year to get it, and you're almost like your heart breaks with them when they don't get the eggs, or this happens and that happens. Like for Keith to have like to come downstairs and be sitting on Bolin's eggs, I mean, I I I, I would be happy. Like that would bring my Holy day shit. up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, that would, uh, that, would that would that would make me you know, happy to have Scott. I mean, Scott. Scott has Malukins because he came to uh, ICAS and he held Hazel for half the damn show. Like, you know, that's what started it. And to have him ICAS? have
1: success. 2013?
2: Oh, uh, 2013. Yeah. So, like, to have him have success with Malukins, have knowing that, you know, it was a former animal that I had something to do with that kind of put him on the path, that's awesome, too. So you root okay. for these guys and you
1: hope they do well,
2: you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's
1: kind of like you know, life. Like the way I live and try to like approach things is like, you don't know what the high feels like until you experience the low. And if you have oh, experienced yeah. the low, <laughs> that high is so much sweeter, man. Oh you know? yeah. It's just like oh, oh yeah, and it's just like oh, I thought that it was the end of the world three weeks ago, but not anymore. Yeah, <laughs> so.
2: yeah, yeah. That'll be We've fun, and nice. I can't wait.
1: <sighs> so, yeah, I wanted to uh, throw out one more thing before we uh, just wrap up. Is um, I listened to uh, the podcast from the ground up with mm. Jason Brumley, and man, that was a good episode. So, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, you should check that one out for sure. Not very you cool. Know, I don't know. I Jason Brumley, he's uh, down in Texas. You know who Jason is, right? He's always yeah, at the uh, Southern, Carpet we met Fest.
2: Him at Southern Carpet Fest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah.
1: real good dude, and uh, I've been wanting him to to always come on NPR. But the thing is, is like I'm waiting for him to produce Angolans and then mm-hmm. talk to
0: him about that.
1: That's that's <laughs> that's the goal. Because you can't, oh. dude. It's so hard to find people to talk about these, you know, Bumpy odd species. You know, right. well, no, no, no. Just like you know. Oh. Just species altogether, um and the cool thing is is that you know (laughs) today (laughs) this is just this is another off topic but today like i'm inside all day right you know (laughs) you know we're we're rushing around to get the store ready and you know blah 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 so i'm so focused on everything else and not Mm -hmm. not, like the day just goes by like it's unbelievable how fast the day goes by so Mm -hmm. i'm getting ready to leave and i walk out the door and i'm like Oh my god! It's like seventy degrees. I told you. Know? You, it was horrible. you know the first <laughs> thing that pops into my head? When pythons. <laughs> <laughs> wait, did they arrive today? No, no, I, okay. I haven't been able to do any kind of shipping. Oh, because... but it's getting warmer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I oh, uh, well, I can't wait
2: for you. I want to see those things. You know that. Yeah. Uh maybe. We have to get to the just, final evolution of the room before I consider getting anything big again. So
0: he uh, says yeah, after that he
2: was, gets a retick.
0: The re-pick, uh, I know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> never I don't
2: know what I'm saying. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I make no sense. Very good.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's all right. None of us do. So um yeah yeah next week is still uh I got a couple people possibly lined up I'm just waiting to cool. get back but uh, it's up in the air so uh stay tuned for that sorry that the you know like I've been like scrambling to get them usually I try to get them to blog talk and booked by Friday and mm-hmm. then it kind of posted out on Facebook but I've been doing it like Monday night right so then it doesn't post the same way and that's why people are kind of wondering what the hell's going on but Trying to do all pants is what we're doing Working 80 hours a week is, you know, it's like (laughs) doubled my time at, you know, like, holy shit. The vacation will be sweet this year. That's for sure. There you Uh, go. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, for us, morely python com. Our email is info at morely python com. If you are, uh, interested in, um, uh, sending us uh you know you want to troll us uh you know send us <laughs> <laughs> whatever you know you want you want to take pictures of snakes at certain angles send it on out you know Say, why not yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah you know if you're interested in a guest or hell then maybe you want to come on the show just send me a line and uh, why not you know, <laughs> we'll uh we'll chat it up and see what see what goes um so, yeah, and you can find all of our stuff from there, myself ebmorelia.com. Um the one thing I've been really trying to stick to is um, you know, doing that blog once a week and trying to do a YouTube video once a week. Um I just haven't had time to the you know, the coolest part of Owen's video is the second half. <laughs> I haven't had time to do it because it's like highly edited, you know, that I got to go through and do it. And it's just like, oh man, I have not not done it because of the comments, trust me, but it looks like that, it's just that I just haven't had the time.
2: It takes more than that to get us to stop what we're doing, I mean, if we... Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: we're here for six years, what the hell?
2: (laughs) (laughs) If if nasty comments were what's going to make us to stop, we would not still be here, so Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: definitely, (laughs) but... um, So stay tuned for that. Hopefully uh, once everything's a little more settled, I can get in and do some editing time and get that because that has the rough scale in it. Uh, Oh yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, all right. And uh, so Eric, uh, Eric at com is my email. Um, I guess if you're interested, now that I have a clutch on the ground and a bunch (laughs) on the way, uh, I would recommend you go into my website, looking at my breeding diaries. If there's something there that catches your eye, uh, shoot me an email or a PM and uh, I can get you on a list. Um, And yeah, that's all I got. I'm going to
2: buy the entire IJ clutch just to keep it out of the hands of the IJ people, you know.
1: Oh, no, no wonder you get bad comments. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's you the IJ thing. We found out. Finally. I knew it. <laughs> yeah,
2: all right. <laughs>
1: it's really all the IJ people.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyway.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a real threat. They'll never breed here. So anyway. Um...
1: yeah, It's pretty secure that nothing's going <laughs> on with that anymore. That yeah, ain't
2: going <laughs> to. Any gonna happen.
1: So, um, what
2: I will say is, uh, for myself, it's rogue reptilescom reptiles dot com. We got a few animals left for sale uh, up there, as well as the potential breeding for the 18s. Um, there, I will, I do have a, sh- a table for this weekend's Hamburg Reptile Show, Hamburg, Pennsylvania. I will probably be set up right behind Matt Minnetola at Philly Herp uh hamburg's a great show if you're into carpet pythons, just myself, Jason Bailin, Howard Redding, Eric Kohler, uh, just as the carpet python people. There are also various other breeders like Matt Minatola for blood pythons and the stuff like that. It, it's a good show. Also, largest venomous show. Uh, on the East
0: Coast, so if You just get
2: very pretty venomous, like I do, and then run away. They'll be there too. So that's this Saturday. Come on out. Uh, we'd love to see you come over by the table, talk snakes. Uh, we'll see what's up. Um, other than that, you can also go to facebook.com, look up rogue reptiles on Facebook. Give us a like. I try to put up just the random pictures that I see at the collection, uh, day to day on Facebook. Keep everybody up to date, especially during the breeding time. Um, that's all I got. That's all we have for you guys tonight. So thank you all for listening. And we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Moralea Python radio.